Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Keeping dogs properly and responsibly. That is what we're trying to do. We can't do it anymore. I was so angry listening to him. A hundred euro is all we get, basically, for our baby. Between the jazz and Christmas, you know, you could slip in a bank holiday in, you know, late November, early December. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96FM. Yeah, those long weekends, you know, they're kind of good and bad in themselves. Do you know the way you get to Monday morning after a long weekend? And yeah, but I've, I've said this before, I, I never sleep particularly well on a Sunday night anyway. But you know the way you're waking up every hour and you're popping in and out to commune with nature and a few things like that. And then for some reason, best known to science, or probably not, about half past four, you fall into the sleep of a newborn. And then the alarm goes off at stupid o'clock. For so it happens to me every single Monday morning. However, it is what it is. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text of WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. That's St. Patrick's Day out of the way. And what a weekend it was, particularly on the sports field. Six days or five days now, five days until the clocks go forward at the weekend. 19 days to Easter, 65 days to the Quartz 96 FM Giving for Living Radio Sun, 220 days to the Jazz Festival, and yes, 279 days to Christmas. We just do the little countdowns as we go through the year. But I was in West Cork over the weekend and I heard a buzz about this. Um, just in a, in a pub I happened to be in. The old convent in Dunmanway. Um, very, very fond people, you know, place held very much in the affections of locals down there. It was a girls' school, of course, for many, many years. About a quarter to seven on Saturday, just as the, the Grand Slam was being won at the Aviva Stadium, uh, there was a fire broke out there. Uh, Councillor Declan Hurley can, can fill us in. It was a bad one, Declan, was it? Good evening or good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Bad one. Yeah, unfortunately, look, I suppose when things happen, they all happen at the same time. But yeah, unfortunately, on Saturday afternoon, um, a lot of, um, I suppose, shock and horror in the locality when people saw uh, black smoke bellowing into the, into the sky. 
and uh, yes, worst case fears were um, were realised when we found out that it was the, the old convent building had uh, had caught fire. How bad is it? Uh, it's pretty bad. The section that's being burnt is, or that has been damaged, is the dormitory section of the building. Um, it, it's quite a big building. Um, uh, locally, we know it as, as the old convent. It's kind of a, an old style Victorian style building. But thankfully, I do have to pay credit to the county fire services for their swift action. They did get the fire under control and they, they have saved the, the bigger portion of the building. But the section that has been damaged is, is severely damaged. Tell me the history of it, Declan. It's, it's been out of use as a school now for some time, hasn't it? It has. It was built and opened in the 1880s, and um, it, it was the Daughters of Charity uh, that built it, and they were providing um, secondary education at the time, uh, at that period in Demanway, for it was an all-girls school. We also had uh, a mixed vocational school at the other end of town, and in the late 90s, both schools decided to amalgamate, and there was a new secondary college, MICC, built. So since basically the early noughties, the building has been empty and, and unused. Um, the Daughters of Charity sourced the building and left the Manway and was privately purchased. Uh, but again, there, there was grand plans at the time to develop it into something bigger and yeah. um, to, to benefit the locality. But unfortunately, as you know, the crash came and all those plans were shelved. So since then, it's been lying idle. Uh, again, it's, been, it's a secure building. Um, it was being maintained by the developer or the owner but unfortunately no great plans had developed for the use of the building for the future Who, who does own it? Was it someone wants to turn it into a hotel facility or something or what? Not really but look a, a local builders um, it, it's no secret locally um, Colla and Builders are a local building company they, they bought it um, as, as local uh, business people with local interest again to safeguard the building that didn't go into disrepair and fall down like we see many older buildings around the county so they, they bought it as a going concern with plans to develop it locally to benefit the local economy and again to safeguard the building for its own historic characters Now we suspect I think Declan that this fire was started deliberately is that what they're saying? That, look, there is a guard investigation ongoing and it, we are being led to believe um, that this has been a, um, a criminal act and look, a mindless act uh, in my own view, but we have to await the outcome of that investigation to know for sure what was the, the cause of the fire. But uh, again, a, a lot of um, upset and sadness in the town to see this uh, beautiful historic building damaged um, in, in, in a mindless act, if, if that's what it's going to be. Co- completely deserted, so nobody injured. It started, like you said, in a dormitory, but the building totally unoccupied, so thankfully no injuries. The owners have had, uh, they've relocated the, one of their offices there in recent years, so it was being used for office space. Thankfully, nobody was living or staying there at the time. Um, I think the officers themselves did escape uh, much of the damage of the fire, but you can imagine a, a building that's been built in the 1800s uh, big timber roofs, um, very what nearly 150 years old. You can imagine crack a match, and that was going to go up in a very short space of time. So, again, just it's very seasoned timber. So you can imagine um, how, how quick that would spread through the building. But again, thankfully, the fire services were there yeah. on time, and they saved. Great, the, the, great, the, great work by the fire services because yeah, would it, that be would have got up like tinder. You know, it would really have. It, it would like, and again, like in a short space of time, the roof collapsed in because again, the timbers would have been old. Um, and again, they, they weren't able to enter the building, but thankfully um, the main structure of the building is safe and the main, a lot of the roof of the remainder of the building is safe as well too. So I would imagine it won't take a lot to put it back into use again in the future. But again, 
the full extent of the damage has to be assessed and obviously costings as to what it would cost to put it back. Last, you know, in, investigation ongoing. There have been no statement from the guards other than that investigation ongoing. Nothing, no. just it's on, it, it, there is speculation that um, as to the cause of the fire, that investigation is ongoing and we're awaiting the outcome of that. Yeah. Oh, I'm advised as well that, in fact, they had to go back in the early hours of the morning on Sunday. They did, and, yeah. and again, PJ, that I suppose um, emphasises the intensity of the fire. Um, the fire broke out around half six in the in the evening, and they were there well up into to midnight um, dealing with the fire and, and supervised it. And again, I think around half four in the morning, there was smoke seen coming, uh, fresh signs of smoke coming from the building again. So there was a second call out, and the emergency service had to return uh, again to make sure that there was no um, risk of a, a second fire breaking out on the location. But again, it was dealt with and uh, there was no second fire but thankfully um, the fire crews again were on site on time. Okay, it's an investigation we'll follow with interest. Thank you uh, Councillor Declan Hurley uh, of West Cork, that fire at the old convent in Dunmanu which is now of course unoccupied, other than for an office, which Jacqueline just uh, told us there, but uh, good work by the fire brigade, good work by the fire brigade on Saturday evening um, avoiding a much worse situation and that investigation ongoing. 0818 96 96 96 uh, something I mentioned the rugby um, I would throw this out there because it came up again on um, on Twitter over the weekend and I always think it adds to the atmosphere of watching the game. Oh Mary first of all before the convent. Yes Mary Hello, I was just ringing there um, about the convents and, you know, especially with the housing crisis and everything. I was down in Yall there recently and the convents there, like, which is, you know, has such frontage onto the main kind of, near the main promenade, Yall-like kind of thing. And it's in complete disrepair. And it's, you know, it's a beautiful, again, historic building in, you know, that will never be built, the likes of it will never be built again in this country. Like we have seen, like the Ursuline Convent in Black Rock is a case in point. Luxury apartments, people paying huge money for them. Mm-hmm. Why are these places not, okay. you know, put into use and it's kept? A, it's a question that has been asked here before, Mary. You have these disused convents and accommodation you know, blocks around Kevin, the like kind of thing, and you see like Our Lady's Hospital. Like I know they have negative connotations obviously for a lot of the older people who would remember maybe the old use but like convents now necessarily say the one in Dunmanway is held in you know it's in affection by the people yeah. in Dunmanway like they love it you know what I mean you have I think was it Frank wedding by Frank both the one in Ross Carberry I think or something it was like Peter, that. Yeah. and yeah. you know there are and as I say the Ursulines is a case in point of what can be done yes. Yes. with these places and why are they giving planning permission for cardboard box apartments that you can hardly you know when these places can they're, yes it is harder to do but like the thing is we know the market is there for them they can be kept well, they can be looked after isn't it part Mary isn't it yep. part of our dereliction problem that we have so many viable properties yes. just tumbling down yes and giving planning for things and you know that should never be built at all and are in a state of you know are they look lovely when they're lit nice and shiny and new but like the concrete on them looks shabby that tax office for example that was built in um on the quays there in cork on sullivan's quay for years like thank god that's gone gone now that was an but that was an eyesore within 
a few years have been built. You're not wrong there. You know, it's so like, why are we not looking after these? Like, it should be actually compulsory, I think, or, you know, this development levy that they were supposed to be paying. Why hadn't, you know, can't it be put to kind of use on buildings that can be reused, repurposed, and the proof is there that that it can happen? Well, if you just look at Derelict Cork on, on, on Twitter, you'll find so many properties that are just empty. And you're right, of course, this convent in Dunmanway, now owned by someone, and uh, an office had been moved in there. But there are many of them around. Empty convents, empty monasteries, empty buildings up and down the country. And at a time when we're hearing more and more about homelessness and the evictions and all of this thing, and the need for more property, look at the Derelict Ireland Twitter. The stuff that's just lying, thank you Mary, the stuff that's just lying empty around the country is just ridiculous. And then what happens of a Saturday evening is some, well, we assume someone decides to have some fun at the expense of the owners. Thanks Mary and thank you Councillor Declan Hurley, 0818 96 96 96. No, what I was saying about the, the rugby, and I find this funny, some people find it mad, some people think it's stupid. I actually love it. I was in a bar in Baltimore on Saturday evening watching the game. The place was wedged out the door and I had a great seat, whatever. But for the penalty kicks or for the conversions particularly the one where where Johnny Sexton broke the record the whole pub goes and if you so much as attempted to call a point while the thing has been kicked oh slaughtered I love that I know it's silly but I love it 0818 quiet for the kick off Wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's ninety six FM. Win win. Join Simon Murdoch on Cork's ninety six FM for your chance to win with the IRFU Charitable Trust Monster Golf Outing Friday, June twenty third at Fota Island. We've got one hundred euro one for all vouchers to give away every day, thanks to Pinergy, plus an overall prize of a four ball at Fota Island Golf Resort with overnight stay, thanks to Fota Island Resort. This Monster Golf Outing will have special guests, great prizes, a charity raffle, and auction, all in aid of the IRFU. Charitable Trust and seriously injured rugby players. Listen from midday to win only on Cork's 96FM. There was a packed public meeting in Cork last week to discuss the ending of the evictions ban and other such related matters. Many people there, trade unionists, TDs, penny dinners, many other activists. One person who spoke is Isabel Kavanagh. Uh, from the Munster Technology University Students' Union, the president of the Students' Union at MTU at the moment. And Isabel, you were making the point, I think, coming from that meeting, that young people, now, as soon as they get their qualification, they're gone, out the gap, because there's nowhere for them to live in Ireland. Morning. Hello, how are things? Great, great. You're seeing a lot of that going on. Yeah, to be honest, it's become ever-present in these days, really. Um, And I was actually only reading a while ago that in 2022, it was reported that 70% of young people were considering moving abroad um, as the cost of living crisis worsens. And I can only 
imagine it's gotten even worse since then. Mm. I remember in the, in the 80s, people went abroad because there was no work. There's loads of work now, but they're still yeah. going. Yeah, exactly. Sure, even myself, I work a full-time job in the student union. I'm finished my studies and I still have to live at home with my mom because I just wouldn't be able to afford rent. So I'm just saying to myself, why would I bother staying here in the bad weather um, and not being able to afford anything when I could be in Australia or something like that in the sun um, mm. paying for something that's maybe a bit cheaper than here as well. What's the cost now for someone like yourself? I'm assuming you're single. What What's the cost for yourself to rent a little place? So if I was to live in student accommodation in the city, it's they're charging upwards of about €250 Euro a week, which would work out at about €1,000 per month. And if you're a full-time student, you'd only be working on the, week, on the weekends part-time. So you'd be spending all of your money on rent. You wouldn't be able to do anything else. Um, you'd have to spend all your available hours working. So I suppose for myself, living at home, like the cost of fuel and everything like that, I obviously have to drive to work every day. So I'd be spending at least maybe €50 Euro every two weeks on fuel, then day-to-day living costs. Um, like having to have a life, I suppose, on the weekends would be very expensive as well. And then people who are renting on College Road and things like that could be paying anything because their rent is their rent, but then they could have hidden costs such as bills or anything like that. So students are really struggling at the moment with the amount they have to pay. So the student accommodation is coming in starting at about about a thousand. Yeah, a thousand per month. Yeah. Now, if you were to and. What are wages like? I mean, I don't know what... I, it's a long time since I was 18 or 19, put it that way, Isabel. <laughs> Coming out of college with a degree in, in anything decent, you're surely going to get a half good wage when you come out of it, are you? Well, like, for example, the minimum wage at the moment is about 1,656. Okay. So when you think about that, like, if you're paying 1,000 euros per month in rent... You six hundred less than for the whole month to, quid a week, to do yeah. everything else. Yeah. Like if you're living, let's say, in Tipperary or something like that, and you need to travel home on the weekends or anything like that, imagine the amount you're spending on buses or petrol yeah. or anything. So, like, it's just not feasible for students to to be living off that. But I suppose when you're a graduate, um, you'd be like hopefully earning close to the thirty thousand a year. Mm. Um, but a lot, a lot of students or a lot of graduates are choosing to just stay at home. Um, they're choosing not to live like out because they just can't afford it. Yeah. And it's, it's actually been um, reported that um, it, by the European Commission in 2021 that the average age of Irish people moving out from their family home was actually 27.9 years, which is very different. My mom was only telling me the other day that she nearly had her own house and everything by the time she was 23. Yeah. It's a big yeah. difference. Yeah, I could well believe that. Such, such a change. So people are literally taking their parchment in one hand their airline ticket in another, and they're headed for foreign climes purely exactly, because there's yeah. nowhere to live. Exactly, yeah. I because as you said, there is loads of jobs here, and there's plenty to do here. But I suppose if, if you've nowhere to live, there's no point in being here. Really, not not everyone wants to stay with their parents for a few years either. They want to spread their wings and, and do their own thing. You know. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And w- what's the point then? Some of them will not come back because they'll go and they'll settle and they'll build life with themselves in Australia or America or wherever you go. And we'll never see them again. Young, our, our, our best and our bright. Back in the 80s, I can remember, like I said, is it being a bit older than you? Back in the 80s, I remember people saying, our best and our brightest are headed for the four corners of the world. It's happening again. Well, that's the thing. The young Irish talents have just lost confidence in their own country, unfortunately, which is such a sad thing to see but I suppose we feel like we have no other option but to move abroad 
um, just for better opportunities, better places to live, better quality of life. Because I was even um, reading um, just a while ago there that Ireland is actually 10% more expensive than Australia. And that was reported in March 2023. So I suppose people are saying I'd much rather be in the sun and living for living a cheaper life than being here, you know. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you would. You hear of a lot of people heading for Oz. In mm-hmm. fact, did I hear there was, a, I think, a recruitment fair here from the Northern Territories only in the last week or so because they have the jobs, they yeah. have the houses, they have the weather. Yeah. Yeah. I think I heard that as well, that it was on recently enough. And I suppose, like, for example, there was about eight of us in my college class and all eight of us are thinking of moving to Australia next year. So I'd say there's a lot of... Um, groups, like clusters of people in different courses that are thinking of moving together, which is a big, a yeah. big huge, um, like, there'll be a big, huge groups of people moving at the same time. And is the paperwork to get to Australia still the nightmare it used to be? You needed enough paperwork to compile a small phone book. Is it still as much of a difficulty? I have heard that it, is, it isn't, like, the easiest thing to do, but I think, well, like, what we're planning on doing is starting the process now, yeah. so that we're, we're thinking of moving mid-2024, so we're starting now, so that it won't, it won't seem like as much of an effort by then. But I know you have to have a certain amount in your bank account and things like that, um, which proves difficult for, for students, of course. Oh, very hard to save. <laughs> exactly, if you're paying the, the rents you're paying here, it's very hard to save anything. Exactly, yeah. Okay, all right. What do you do, by the way? I know you work for the Students' Union now, but what, what, would you, what skills would you be taking to Australia? So I suppose at the moment I'm like the president of the student union, so we'd kind of be dealing with everything, um, like HR, uh, public relations. Like I studied international business with French myself, so I'm taking my language skills, my marketing skills, business management, project management, event management, you name it. They'll grab a hold of you and they won't let you go. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. And if you're given good opportunities over there, you won't be coming back to Ireland, unfortunately. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Isabel, thank you very much. Repetition of the 80s for all the wrong reasons. In the 80s and even into the early 90s, people uh, emigrated because there was no work. There was nothing here. Same happened in the middle noughties and the crash. They just got out because there was no work. People went to Canada, Australia, particularly people in construction went to Canada, Australia. And many of them never, ever came back. Here we go again. And the reason that they're going, there's plenty of work here. No shortage of work here. The reason that they're going, there's nowhere to live. 0818 96 96 96. And some of them are having to live in atrocious conditions as well. On Thursday, and thanks by the way to Paul for Thursday. On Thursday, Paul spoke to Alina, who's a pregnant mom. She's living in probably the worst living conditions we've seen in Cork uh, for a long, long time. She's going to the toilet in the garden. It's it's that bad. Here's a reminder of Paul's conversation with Alina. The bathroom is in an appalling condition. Are you able to go to the toilet? No, no, no. We, we didn't use from December the shower and the toilet. From May until December, I try to clean every day. Sometimes I have maybe, I clean two, two three times on day. And 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 how are you go, how are you using, how are you using the toilet? It was impossible to using again, you know, because the water it was continuous. And how are you using the bathroom? I mean, how do you go to the toilet? Um, yeah, uh, we pee in a bucket, and you know the second problem we made in the plastic bag, and we wash in a small 
small bowl, you know, in the kitchen. Yeah, it was very hard because, especially for me, pregnant, to wash in a small, small bowl, you know. Okay, oh, I'm gonna. T- yeah. I'm just gonna go back there because I want to tell you. It's it's Cork. It's 2023. Are we living? You're describing conditions like the third world. You tell me you're going to the, your your number one, as it were, in a bottle. Yeah. And yeah. your number two in a bag. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't believe that, Alina. Yeah, me too. I, I, I never in my life, I, I believe I, I will leave this. Because, you know, when you, when you decide to move in another country, you know, I didn't decide to come back here to destroy my life. Actually, I, I decided to come to, to came in Ireland to, to do a better life for my son. But uh, the point is what, in the last year, what is happening for me, I don't know. I was very disappointed. And where have you come from? Uh, Romania. <laughs> the people listening to this will say, I mean, that you came here for a better life, but what you are describing is third world. It's frightening. I know. Many times I want to come back in my country, but I didn't have the... Uh, opportunity. I didn't have option, you know, money to come back and, you know, I feel I was, like, stuck in that apartment and yeah, I hope, I hope soon we'll find a solution and we've, me and my son we can find our peace, you know, and stay in quiet and a nice uh, atmosphere and That's Alina speaking to Paul on Thursday. Now, Catu Cork is Cork Community Action Tenants Union. Nora, good morning. Oh, hi, good morning. Uh, thanks for having us. Delighted. Be- before we uh, talk about what you might be able to do for Alina, uh, tell me a bit about your group. <clears throat> yes, so we are the same way that people can have a union in their workplace where all the workers unite and then they can negotiate better with their boss. We are a union for tenants, mortgage holders, people in emergency accommodation, basically everyone affected by the housing crisis, where we stand together and try to basically uh, put up a united front so we can really get um, our, our rights and what the dignity that every person deserves in relation to public authorities, to private landlords, to um, everyone who either takes advantage of the housing crisis at the expense of normal people or who, in the case of public authorities, uh, neglects, you know, like fails in, in, in their duty of care, like in the case of Alina that we saw now. So we're basically like a mutual aid, a solidarity group, um, where um, everyone has, uh, has uh, their voice. So all the decisions are taken democratically among our members, and we have no outside funding so this way we can be completely independent and we, if we think a cause is worth defending, uh, well, basically we, we don't have to be accountable to anyone except our own members and, and the decisions we take uh, in, you know, in the favour of, of our members so, and, so, and their problems. So to reiterate again, Alina is going to the toilet by doing her business either in a bucket or in a bag and yeah. taking it out in the yard to dump it. And as Paul said... That's third world stuff. That's that's mm. shantytown stuff. Can Katu yes. help Alina? Yes, so uh, what I would like to emphasize for our listeners is that Alina, before she got in touch with Katu, she really was not waiting passively for someone to save her. She really did everything a person normally can on her own. 
looking for other accommodation. She called HAP three times. There were three HAP inspections that saw everything and wrote it down and actually gave four months to the landlord to fix it, and he never came. She was writing every day to Threshold, to the council. Yes, we have copies of those inspections, and the inspections saw everything. They gave him three months, and then the following inspection, because she was calling HAP all the time saying, this is inhuman. So the following inspections gave him a month extra. So every time the inspection came, they would give him even more time. And all this time, I want to emphasize for your listeners, HAP payments from our money, from everyone's money, from public money, kept being made to the landlord as there was no functioning toilet and no showers. So, so 900 he was, euros he a month. he was collecting a... I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm agog here, Nora. He was collecting a HAP payment being paid directly into his bank account while she exactly. was living in those conditions. Exactly. And Alina has to contribute a small part. This is how the system works. Sure, so she yeah, has yeah, to yeah. pay the difference to the council. And she kept paying the difference the whole time. And the whole time she was advised that nothing can be done and until she gets an eviction notice. But of course, there is no incentive for a private landlord to, to, to issue an eviction notice if he keeps getting public money with no accountability, and then, of course, he could not rent this, uh, yeah. this slum to anyone else. So, of course, he would have, it would be in anyone's interest to just keep the person there and keep getting the public yeah. money. So, um, this, this is why I say that this is not just, this is not a personal failure of Alina. Alina is a hardworking person. Until she was so heavily pregnant, she worked all the time. She tried to do everything a rational person would do. Call the authorities, call charities, so on. She has ample written documentation. She showed me her inbox. She was sending 50 emails a day just with photos and whatever what was happening to her. And uh, can you imagine, someone could have been killed when the ceiling collapsed yeah. in her bathroom. She was just coming outside. And now what, what I wonder is, everyone who was aware of this situation, people in the uh, council housing uh, offices, people in HUB, who are just making the payments, um, when, when is enough enough? And also, um, uh, what I want to emphasize is that this is the most extreme case we've seen in Katu. But we have seen similar cases. For instance, we go often in Mayfield in the north side estates, which are public housing, where we see no, no hot water, uh, broken windows that not the tenants themselves have broken. And it takes years to fix. So this is also an indifference of public authorities. And in Angina's case, really what we will do is, of course, we have pressured the landlord because uh, actually on the day, I, I just want to emphasize this, on the day that the ceiling collapsed, we spent the whole day with her, with a group initially of 20 people, but then, well, even by the end of the day, there were, there were quite a bunch of us. And we went to every single authority and asked just for emergency accommodation for that night because she could not go back in the house. And she was told in the council everywhere, go back in the house and wait for an eviction notice. Uh, she was terrified to go back in the house. And then... Um, and the, roof, the roof had just fallen in. Yes, and, and, and there was still leakage of sewage from the apartment above, so it was oh also God. completely unhygienic. And then uh, in the um, uh, emergency accommodation, initially they said, well... Um, you see, it's uh, it's impossible uh, to get her sorted because she's not homeless. Because, but even though technically, by law, someone who lives in accommodation like this is considered homeless because you know this is not per se a house in which someone can live in. And again, so, and again, to reiterate, Nora, um, yeah, this is 
a slum, and it's a great word you used, this is effectively a slum for which yes. taxpayers' money, my money and yours and Fergal's yes. and Emer's, taxpayers' money is being given to that landlord in the form of HAP. Yes. And she's living there. Yes, exactly. And whenever uh, we, we have called HAP in other situations where, for instance, HAP landlords wanted to evict with no notice, like they were just saying, oh, I'll evict you today without respecting any legal forms. And whenever with the union we called HAP offices for members who had this kind of issues, we were told, oh, it's a private matter, it's between the tenant and the landlord. Well, then this means that there's no accountability in this scheme. If public money is spent, but on, on the other hand, there is no monitoring of how the landlord actually uh, fulfills their duties. And then tenants are told, well, if you have a problem, just go to the RTB. Well, if your problem is that the ceiling collapsed or that you've had no toilet, going to the RTB will take months, maybe years. You know, there has to be, because this is all our money. There's been more than 600 million euro transiting through the staff offices last year, which is all money paid to landlords. Yes. With this money, maybe we could build loads of public housing. And this is what I want to emphasize, that there's loads of working class families that are maybe not in a lean situation, but in situations that are just, you know, a, a, a little bit away from this, but still very desperate. Sure. And the public money is still being spent without anything else being changed from the landlord. So this is what, um, you know, maybe some listeners, um, if they're a bit skeptical, they will say, oh, maybe this woman wasn't trying hard enough, or, you know, maybe You've she just wanted... You've got the paperwork to disprove that completely. Have yes, you been able to yes. do anything for her, Nora? So basically, on the first day when we had the whole big group, uh, and honestly, I think our main strength was just that we were so determined not to give up, and we didn't leave until 9 p.m., and finally, when we got the fire brigade um, and the guardie to come to the scene and actually inspect the property, which only happened like really late at night after we'd exhausted, you know, all the administrative possibilities, they agreed, the fire brigade agreed that this was not a habitable space. Um, and so finally, we, we pressured the landlord into, into, paying, into paying some nights uh, because she had nowhere to go at that point. She had not been given uh, emergency accommodation during the day. And now, uh, in the meantime, she is in a hospital um, by, well, uh, finally give her a hospital, but we will really pressure the council into really giving her a home because she's been on the housing list for years now. Um, she bids on houses every week. And I want to emphasize something that maybe listeners will identify with, is that uh, they, they have a dog that they love very much. And for this little boy who has been through so much trauma, um, the dog is, is really important. It's like a member of the family. Of and, you know, you can't, you can't have a dog in a hostel. Um, and he has been really heartbroken about, uh, you know, like we, we, with the union, we've also really uh, tried to arrange temporary foster for the dog. Um, we've tried to do all the mutual aid things we can. But we really think that every family deserves a home, an actual home. Um, and the, the hostel is a good safety temporary solution. But, you know, a child has to go to school to be ready for, for school. The mother has to be able to cook. Mm. She will come out of hospital. And also one thing uh, I would like to say is that one of her twins might need uh, quite a serious medical intervention when uh, he's born. Uh, we've seen the, the last uh, MRIs um, oh, that were, dear. you know, extra medical tests. So people need she's a got safe space. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and because uh, um, twin pregnancies uh, often come to term much earlier. They do. They do. They do. Yeah, so this might be, you know, in four, in four weeks' time, five weeks at best. This, this, uh, this so, 
Yeah. yeah, so so it's really hard. And we, we will just, uh, what, what we will do is we will keep, you know, pressuring um, social services and authorities to really, um, you know, uh, fulfill your care that we have as a society for, for families, uh, for, for every person, you know, the fundamental that every person needs. In Alina's case, in, and in all other cases, you know, like in, in Tato, we make no distinction. We just believe everyone should have a home. And that, you know, all the public money that's used as part of the solidarity that makes society, it should be well spent. There should be accountability, you know. Mm. Um, you're, do, so, you're doing absolutely marvellous work by the, sound, by the sounds of it, Nora. Lastly and, and briefly, are you fearful that when the eviction ban ends at the end of March, people will be thrown out in the street? Yes, absolutely. And we have, uh, it's gone increasingly worse. And we have many of our members um, who, who are facing eviction themselves. We are uh, uh, insane number of evictions throughout. I am I'm the Munster organizer for CATU, so I know what is happening in the union throughout Munster. And we are seeing a, a huge increase in eviction notices. Um, often, uh, you know, no one checks afterwards if the house was really occupied by a family member or if yes. it was really sold. And uh, often it's really to up the rents um, and people will have no protection. Um, and even for us as a small union that only started three years ago, sometimes we have a problem of capacity because we try to campaign against every eviction. But the more we campaign, the more word gets to us of other things, more people reach out and there's going to be thousands of evictions. And if you see the prices um, in Cork City, how, have, how they have gone up, you know, a family that was maybe renting at 900 a month will now, if they are evicted, they will look at similar properties that will be 1700, 1800 a month. It's not, that's and not doable. their wages haven't doubled, you know, so it's, 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 it's going to be a real crisis. And I'm really sure that also emergency accommodation services will not be able to cope. So, yeah. It's terrible, terrible times and uh, they're going to get worse with the ending of this ban. Nora, thank you. From CATU, Cork Community Action Tenants Union. I'm sure you'll find them on social media. Seem to be doing great work. Something of a new one on me, I have to say. But incredible work that they're doing. 0818969696. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Whatever sport you support, grab that jersey and stick it on for Radiothon. The Cork's 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns this May. And Friday 26th is Jersey Day. You make me feel... Get together with family, friends, colleagues or classmates and wear your favourite jersey to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. See 96fm.ie for more. 96fm.ie for more. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You make, you make me feel... Cork's 96 now remember that house or that place that Alina was saying in was a HAP property so the taxpayer was paying a large chunk of the rent and she was living in those conditions Kate, morning Hi, I want to see all the HAP money given to that lady as compensation he knew what she was living in and this is a situation all that HAP money he was still taking it knowing she was living like that yeah, it was No, I'm sorry, that's Dickensian it is 
he was given three opportunities, I think, according to, to Nora, three opportunities to put it right and still didn't. Can I ask you something? You know, when somebody, um, the landlord says, you're gone, um, I'm selling the house. But then he turns around and he puts the rent up and puts somebody else in. Do the people have any rights at all then that were thrown out? That's an excellent question to which I don't no, know the I'd answer, Kate. We know what happens, know. though. Yep. We know what happens. I, it, ha- it happened in our own park and the person ha- is living down in Dunhamore now because they couldn't find anybody in Cork. And the, the house went up in rent and there's no people there. And that was terrible because she could not find anywhere in Cork. Yeah. I know, it's, it's a dreadful situation and it's going to get worse. Thank you, Kate. 0818969696. Now, it covers last week of the protests in the library. Um, protests that got loud, shall we say, and unpleasant um, about a particular book. The book is called This Book is Gay by Juno Dawson and it's on display in the children's section of the library. Um, Kerry O'Donoghue has been in contact with us. Kerry, you're one of the people who joined that protest last week. Morning. Good morning. Um, well, the reason I'm ringing in is because I think it was re- misrepresented about what we were actually there for. Um, the book itself um, is in the children's side of the library and it's called This is Gay by Juno Dawson, I think it is. It's called This Book is Gay, yeah. By Juno Dawson. Yes. And after reading it, I don't think, or we don't think it should be in the children's side of the library. Um, It's in the tween section, which is like 8 to 12-year-olds. And some of the the book is quite graphic uh, in what they're saying. And I really don't think it's appropriate for an 8 to 12-year-old to be reading what they're reading. Um, if it was in the adult side of the library, I don't, there would be no problem um, because they're equipped to deal with that. Like, and understand what it is, like you know. But it's written for that audience, Kerry. The the writer wrote it for a young audience. Um, well, a young audience now is um, like it's in the tween section of the library, which is aimed at eight to twelve years of age. And I really, and I, I think anybody that would read that book would ha- be seriously concerned about any 8 to 12 year old reading some of the stuff inside of it. Um, it speaks graphically about sex um, and people are trying to make out like that it's because of the LGBTQ, but that's not it at all. Like those, That community, like my son is gay and his best friend is transgender. And to have someone call us homophobic or misrepresent what we're doing, it's quite disturbing and upsetting as well at the same time. Okay. This isn't about the LGBT community. This is about the sex education that they're trying to aim at younger children. Again, I repeat, if this book was in the adult section, maybe teenagers, there wouldn't even be an issue. But I really don't think this book is appropriate for 8 to 12-year-olds. Okay, but come back to my previous observation that the book was written for that audience. Yes, and, and I find that very disturbing, to be quite honest with you, like, because, I don't know, have you read it yourself? I've read the PDFs. I don't know why people are so intent on taking away the innocence of our children, like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, I just find it's very wrong, like, you know, like, someone has to protect these children from, like, it's graphic in, in certain sections of it, like. You're absolutely entitled to hold that view, Kerry, but if yeah. you if you want to protest against its display in the library or if you want to object to its display in the library or where it is in the library, yeah. there are ways and means of going around that, not surely challenging the staff who just have a job to do. 
Well, what we ended up going in there the other day for was to hand in paperwork about the book and our objections to it and why. And we've also contacted Censorship Board and Board of Education. We, We have contacted other people. And maybe people don't agree with us going into the library. But it's about letting people know what is in the book and why why it's so disturbing to have it in that section. Like I can't imagine sitting down talking to my niece or my nephew at eight or nine years sure. of age about the sex inside us. Like to talk to children about sex is just wrong. Like unless it's their parents and it's geared at their age, you know. But like to to expect them. To like be able to comprehend and understand what's been talked about in this book, I find it disturbing to be quite honest with you. And it's about getting it removed from the child section of the library. It's just very disturbing, you know. But Kerry, all of those views, as you expressed them, are views which you're perfectly entitled to hold. Yes. But would you accept for a minute that the person on the front desk in the library? is mm-hmm. not the person who made the decision to display the book. Would you accept that? I do, I accept that. So why did people go into the library and, and call out that person? Well, we didn't really call them out. We tried to have a level-headed conversation with them and just we expressed our concerns. It's not their job, though. We actually asked them who we speak to, who is the best person to speak to, like how do they feel about this book being in the children's section. Why were they being filmed? Why is it being filmed? People are trying to draw attention to the fact that this book is in the child section. Like, we're out there, like, trying to educate people about what they're putting in there. But why did you and your colleagues feel you had the right to film people going about their day's work? Well, I mean, you're in a public library, like, and it's a public space. And, like, I think we were all very uh, level-headed. There was no screaming. We weren't abusing them in any way. It was more of a discussion and, and, and say, like, we're not happy about this. It's disturbing. Um, we handed in paperwork um, about the legality of stuff. But, Kerry, you're handing this stuff, whatever it yeah. is, it's, it's a matter for yourselves. I'm not particularly concerned about what you were handing in. You were handing it in to people going about a day's work who have no say in the display of that book. I agree with that. I, 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 come here, I know that. So they were the wrong target, Kerry? Well, maybe so. There's an argument for that, right? But also, the main thing is to draw attention to it. And to, it's not just the public. But like, we've been gone around to a couple of libraries and we're just trying to bring attention to the staff as well about what's in the book, like, and that, you know, they should really kind of rethink it and go up the ladder or like express our concerns like and I think we're doing it in a very calm way like you know Did someone shout the word paedophiles at them? Oh absolutely not no not at the staff no absolutely not there was no mention of paedophiles so I don't know who actually said that like and like again like none of them I guess none of them are making decisions and stuff like this, right? But I also don't believe that all of them know what's in that book. Given that you know that they don't make the decisions, I ask again, Kerry, was it fair to protest at their desk? Given that you know they don't make the decision. To me, I think we've done it in a level-headed way. I get not everybody's going to be happy with the way that we did it. And, And granted... They don't get to make the decisions, but they do get to talk to the people higher up. 
they do get to talk to councillors, they do get to talk to the censorship board and by expressing our concerns to the libraries, we're hoping as well that it will um, go up the ladder and kind of reinforce the fact that we really don't think it's appropriate. Like, Was it okay that they felt intimidated because they did and they reported to their bosses that they felt intimidated and frightened in their workplace? I wouldn't want to do that to anybody, right? And after that feedback, we might reconsider different things, ways of going about it. Like, I'm not out there to upset anybody or I really do. This is about drawing attention to the fact of this literature in the children's section of the library. Any child can wander over, pick up those books and start reading them. So, like, granted, not everybody would agree the way we are, like, right? And maybe... Like, we can rejig the way we're going about it, right? I take that on board. I will listen to people. I'm not out there to upset them. I just want to draw attention to it because I really do think it's very concerning that this book is openly in the children's section. I I think any level-headed parent or worker or person who would read this, like, I don't think for one minute that they would think an eight-year-old should be reading that book. Like Kerry, I've appreciated the opportunity to speak to you, and thank you. And thank you for taking the call as well. And I just want to reiterate, this has nothing got to do with the LGBTQ community. They're entitled to live their life. They're entitled to be happy. My son, again, is gay. He's in a beautiful relationship with his wife in the last six years. And this isn't what it's about at all. So, like, for people to be calling anybody homophobic or transphobic, it's just, it's not right, like, you know. I'm not out there to upset people or make them feel intimidated. None of us are. And I don't want that for them, right? And we will talk about it as a group and maybe readjust what we're doing, like, you know. Kerry, I've enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. I'll talk to you again. Take care. Cheers, Kerry. Someone here says, I think you're challenging Kerry a lot. I know you have to, to a certain extent, but can you not let her have her say as well as you often do with the, the contributors? Your point is valid, caller, but I felt I had a duty here to represent the person on the other side of that counter who had nothing whatsoever to do with the placing of the book in the library. I felt I had a job to represent that small person and uh, that person's role. So but I, do, I do take your point on board. I think she wanted a 15 minutes of fame, says Margaret. Uh, the lady didn't even know the name of the book. Never mind having read it, says Michael. She stumbled a bit on the name. We'll allow her that, Michael. She might be a bit nervous coming on the radio. That's 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 allowable. Your thoughts, of course, welcome. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Corks ninety six. The minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 9696 9696 John telling me I don't understand the nature of public protest. That's okay. I'll come back and read that again in a minute uh, and a few more. If you agree with Kerry or disagree with Kerry, I'd love to, to hear from you. I just felt, and I say this again on the record, I felt it was very unfair to staff who were not in a decision-making position uh, 
to go in there and challenge them about decisions that have been made by people upstairs from them. Why not go upstairs? Why not seek a meeting with the people who actually make the decision? rather than ruining the day for people who don't and who have nothing whatsoever to do with it. But I'll come back to that. 0818 96 96 96. Joined in studio by Barry Holland of uh, Cork Airport. And Barry, we're going to talk about the busy season you have ahead because the schedule starts, the summer schedule starts on next Sunday and a lot of good news. I have a map in front of me, lovely coloured map of where you're going. It's probably the healthiest that the airport has looked for years in terms of where you're going this summer. But I have to start with the elephant in the room. What happened with Velling? Good morning, PJ. Um, so in relation to Vwelling, uh, it was Cork Airport was notified that there were capacity issues in Paris Orly. Right. For context, Vwelling operates a twice-weekly service to Paris Orly from Cork. It's a Spanish-based low-cost carrier airline, part mm. of the IAG Group, who also own British Airways, Aer Lingus, Iberia. So the notification came that they were ceasing operations in Cork Airport from June the 11th. Mm. And uh, which is disappointing. Did they say why? They're citing capacity issues in Paris Orly as the reason. So Cork is one of three routes right. that will be cut from Paris Orly. It is disappointing. So they, they didn't get slots there or something or what? As far as we know, we haven't any more information apart from the fact that it is okay. capacity related uh, constraints. But uh, nevertheless, we have uh, at the end of the month great connectivity with Paris, with Air France starting yeah. their daily service to Paris, Charles de Gaulle. Yeah. which I know will be well received by people in the Cork and Munster region. Not only does it offer the direct point-to-point connectivity to the French capital, but it also allows people to connect onwards via the wider Air yeah. France network. That's, that's an airport that Cork served for many years, and it's one of the most important hubs in all of Europe. It is indeed, and we're delighted to be able to say that the operations will be back, and we'll be back flying to Paris Charles de Gaulle at the end of the month. And can you book through now from Cork to any one of the Charles de Gaulle routes around the world. You can indeed. If wow. you want to the Air France website, it'll offer you the opportunity to to, uh, to literally book a ticket to any part of the world at the Air France flight on their wider network. Excellent. So it's it's, re- it's really quite positive. Now talk to me about this map that, that's in front of us here. Over 40 routes to destinations, nine airlines. What's new for the summer, Barry, and what's back? To start with what's new, so Seville in Spain is new. It's operated by Ryanair. Uh, Seville will be commencing in June and it'll be operated twice weekly on Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, Seville, the capital of the Andalusia region in Spain, beautiful part of the world, mm. uh, famed as the home of flamenco dancing, uh, superb architecture, a really beautiful city. They're located in south of Spain. That's one of the new routes. La Rochelle will be a new route on the west coast of France. That will be served by Ryanair, again twice weekly, Wednesdays and Sundays mm. as well. Uh, Rome is a new summer service. We had it, uh, we have it at the moment for the winter. It's been mm. a great success. Mm. Uh, I know people in Cork are delighted that they're now within a direct flight of Rome and uh, all that is to see there. Again, so, it's another one, Barry, that was there years ago and great to be back. It is, absolutely. And that's, that's, that's the key here, PJ, is it's just the restoration of routes that may have fallen off the, off the route map over the course of the pandemic. But we're delighted to be able to say that Rome is here for the summer mm. and will be operated twice weekly on Mondays and Fridays by Ryanair again, offer, offering maybe a week's break or maybe the five day break in between Mondays and Fridays or if you want to go out on a Friday and back on a Monday it's mm. even a nice weekend break as well mm. so Rome is new as well Bristol of course is new uh, operated by Aer Lingus Regional that'll be commencing on the 28th of April uh, 
superb connectivity between the south of Ireland and southwest UK, giving access to beautiful places like Bristol, Bath, mm. uh, Wiltshire, um, down as far as Devon and Cornwall, even down as far as Dor- Dorset. Into Wales. Yeah, absolutely, in Wales as well, Wales, you know, an hour from Cardiff. So it, it, it opens up connectivity with the southwest and the west country of UK. Mm. Glasgow, any sign of it coming back? We had a big discussion on it here two weeks ago. You wouldn't believe the phone calls we were getting about Glasgow. Uh, I didn't, and I heard I heard Connor's contribution. And, and firstly, obviously, to, to you know, say fair play mm. to Connor. Obviously, it's great to see significant interest in our airport and you know, and the routes that we offer. We're working on Glasgow at the moment. It was one of the routes that was um, a casualty of the pandemic. Mm. It was operated by Aer Lingus Regional, Stobart Air. Uh, they went into liquidation in June 2021 and ceased all operations at that point. That's Emerald uh, have it now, isn't it? And Emerald operate the franchise for Aer Lingus Regional, yes. So we're in discussions with a number of airlines as, as to the restoration of the Glasgow service. We know how important it is mm. to people in the Glasgow region, but also in the Cork region that have connections in Glasgow. I myself had have family connections in Glasgow. Well, I would have travelled on that service quite regularly, so I, we're well aware of the importance of the Glasgow route. How is booking? Are you, I mean, I'm looking at places like like Alicante, Malaga, Faroe, Canary Islands, huge summer holiday destinations. How is booking? Do you know? Our, our indications at present are st- that booking is strong. Um, I think the desire is still there in the market, PJ, for people for the summer holiday. The notion of us being locked up without being able to travel internationally is still strong in our minds. So, but in, in, I suppose in tandem with that, there's superb choice available from Cork Airport this summer. And I think it's, you know, greatly encouraging for anyone that wishes to look for a, you know, a destination of summer holiday, whether it is an old familiar favourite like Malaga, Faro or Alicante, or maybe trying somewhere new like Sardinia maybe, or um, uh, Pisa, um, yeah. or maybe even down as far as Valencia. And so there's, there's, there's a great variety of, of, of yeah. routes that are there. And You, you know it yourself because you're a Cork-led born and bred Barry. Cork people want to fly out of and into Cork. They don't want to go to Dublin. They don't want to go to Shannon. They want to go out of Cork to anywhere in the world that they can get to. And that's what you, I think, with Rome, with, with, with particular Chardigal, is that what you're driving for? That you don't have to leave Cork to go anywhere in the world? The key, I suppose, is to make sure that the south of Ireland is served with the best international air connectivity. Cork Airport offers the best connectivity internationally in Munster and the south of Ireland. We have 45 routes this summer, as you say, operated by nine airlines. Not only do we have the direct point-to-point destinations, which are obviously catering for leisure and business traffic, but as you mentioned earlier, the key international airport hubs. So this summer we'll have London Heathrow, obviously, with Aer Lingus, Paris Charles de Gaulle with Air France, uh, KLM will operate a service, daily service to Amsterdam, and then we'll have Lufthansa, uh, commencing their service as well to Frankfurt. Again, great business destination, mm. the uh, financial capital of Germany and potentially even Europe it's, uh, you know, as well with the ECB presence there. Mm. So uh, again, superb connectivity. So we're going to obviously it's improving every year. Yeah. It's a drastic improvement on last year as well yeah. in terms of the routes that are offered. Even the frequencies of a number of routes, 11 routes in total have gone up. So there's additional seat capacity there. So what we'd encourage people in Cork to do and passengers to check out our website, corkairport.com, view our destinations page, get some destination inspiration there and book your summer holiday out of Cork and return, and more importantly, return back into Cork. There you are. There you are. Another thing, and I know that the, the, the travel trade certainly around town would give anything to get Greece and Turkey back. You're working on that. We are indeed. We we do know we do know the demand that's there for Greece and Turkey. And as as I say, that the our aviation business development team is very much engaged with mm. both our current airlines and prospective carriers. You know, we 
there's things like Roots Conferences etc abroad mm-hmm. and um, ITB Berlin which recently the business development head of business development Tara Finn and myself were attending as well mm-hmm. having discussions with our, our existing airline customers and prospective airline customers with a view to getting these on but yes we, we're in regular contact talk, with the talk travel Talk to trade. me a little bit Barry in, in, in layman's terms about how this actually works so, so let, let us say that you decide you're listening to the travel trade and they're saying can you do fragments say can you do Greece out of Cork. What happens? Do you just say, right, we need to get a connection to Greece? How does it How does it work? It's a number of factors as well. So what you'll have obviously is, yes, your feedback from the travel trade sector as well. We undertake our own market research. So the market research that we do obviously shows as well which routes are in high demand. And then you'll have some other more intricate uh, ways of calculating demand as well, whether that's through uh, website searches. Mm. Um, and then that's all fed into the airlines. So we have an open channels all the time with our airline customers, both our existing and prospective airline customers and we'll pitch to them the possibility of operating a route from Cork to X mm. and obviously show them the demand that is there for it. Because you have to put a business plan you have to look put a pl- give us a plane on a, on a Friday and we'll fill it because they're not going to fly an empty plane. Absolutely. It's a commercial It's a commercial operation at the end of the day. Airlines are commercial entities. Mm. They will operate something that is going to generate good yield for them there's strong demand for and at the end of the day they'll make a profit and good return on excellent alright well th- that's certainly an exciting summer ahead 40, 40 routes to nine, with 9 airlines Welling was their decision and busy times ahead Barry the numbers numbers predictions for the year in terms we're of we're looking in the region of 2.4 to 2.5 million PJ which is a really encouraging figure mm-hmm. the high point before the pandemic in 2019 was 2.6 I was about to ask you that yes yeah. so you're, you'll, you'll get close to it this year very close to it and with the addition of new routes as well particularly the likes of Bristol uh, the likes of uh, Seville La Rochelle mm. uh, East Midlands and the new route again and then another new route as well to Venice Treviso as well these will I forgot all, Venice that's, yeah, that's another good of route of course yeah. yeah so Venice Venice, Venice Treviso's new summer route um, and it's um, it's again it's a, a spectacular I don't really need to give Venice any introduction there but apart from the fact that it's both a beautiful city break destination and also for an extended holiday as well the whole north of Italy region there is beautiful with the likes yeah. of your Lake Garda and Lake uh, Megori and uh, you know down as far as Venice and you know the beauty of sitting on the side of the canal there sipping your Aperol spritz <laughs> and watching the gondolas go by You're going to Algera as well Algera on the north of, of Sardinia yeah. Sardinia is a really really popular destination this year this we're hearing that from the travel yeah. trade as well it's Sardinia is a mix between Italian culture and Catalan culture. It's located right out in the middle of the Mediterranean. Mm. Beautifully crystal clear blue waters, uh, lovely warm temperatures. Alghero itself is a medieval city located in the north of uh, Sardinia, uh, readily accessible with Ryanair from Cork mm. Airport, operating on Mondays and Fridays for the summer. Very popular destination last year, and again, it will be a really popular destination this year. A couple of questions coming in, Barry. Nice was very popular. It went it hasn't come back. That's right. Nice was operated by Aer Lingus prior to the pandemic. Again, it's one of the routes that we're well aware of that there's a strong demand for. We're working on it. We're in discussions with both the likes of Aer Lingus, but also as well other prospective airlines as well. To Leeds it. and Newcastle, would they be best served through East Midlands or could... So Newcastle is ceasing at the end of the month. It was a winter schedule service yeah. only. Um, but East Midlands, Manchester also, they all offer uh, into the Midlands of the UK, offer great connectivity into that part of the world there. The beautiful countries around East Midlands, like, mm. you know, Derbyshire and uh, and, and and such. So they, you know, there's some really good connectivity there into the UK. Our best connectivity is with the UK, naturally enough. Absolutely. Both yeah. the London, Edinburgh, and the UK provincial routes as well. Yeah. Okay. Listen, exciting times ahead. Good to see it. Uh, unfortunate news about Welling, but like you said, their their decision 
not yours. Absolutely, and your friends, as I say, will be at the end of yes, the month commencing yes. with a deal. And oh yes, the world, the, the rugby world cup. Yes, the you world made cup. Special provision for that. So, in fact, Air France have added on additional seat capacity for the rugby world cup, but Aer Lingus will also be operating services on Fridays and Mondays. Right. So we were well catered for the World Cup. Ryanair also fly to Bordeaux. So whether it is the Fran- whether it is Stade de France or whether it is in Bordeaux, we have some great connectivity for the World Cup. And uh, perhaps we might even ask them maybe for a couple more seat capacity when Ireland so, reach the final. Something <laughs> tells something tells me they'll be popular tickets, Barry. Listen, thanks for coming in. Good luck to everybody at the airport as always. Uh, Barry Holland, communications manager at uh, Cork Airport. Busy, busy times ahead. Railing, unfortunate. But if you look at the list, and I've got the as I said, the list here in front of me. The Brit- all over Britain, Manchester East Midlands, Birmingham, London, Bristol, Liverpool, Paris, Charles de Gaulle. It's great. It's back to nearly back to pre-pandemic. Best airport in the world is Cork. And, oh yeah, lastly, you're still there, um, in and out, getting through security. It's quick as anything. It's... For frighteningly quick. Uh, it's 10 minutes, less than 10 minutes from each of the car parks to the door. Um, last year, Cork Airport processed, or uh, was it 97, 97% of our passengers in less than 15 minutes throughout the year. That's even through all the busy periods as well. So when you're flying from Cork Airport, you'll be guaranteed quick, quick times from the car park to the terminal, a swift uh, security process. Loads of retail opportunities as well with the loop shop there as well and nice food and beverage opportunities in airside. So people love to relax and sit back for their flight. So, you know, it is, it's, uh, it's, conveniently, it's conveniently swift in Cork Airport. And one more rumour coming in. Something about the change of the liquid rules at Spanish airports from next year. I'm not aware of the Spanish. I'm not aware of the Spanish requirements as to security screening. But um, uh, I know that certainly it's an EU-wide thing whereby a lot of airports will be transitioning towards the new, I suppose, what they call a C3 upgraded security equipment. Um, we will be doing so in Cork over the next couple of years, and uh, I know that some other regional airports in Ireland have it as well. And uh, the UK have mandated that their airports introduce it as well. So it will become a feature, and it'll make the passenger experience more. Pleasurable at the end of the day. Indeed. All right, Barry, thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, just getting back there to that, the Spanish airports, authorities in Spain say that in 2024 the carry-on liquid rules will be changed. You know the way you can't have a hundred mil so people are throwing away their toothpaste and, and all this kind of stuff coming into the airport. That'll be gone from 2024 permitting passengers through some of the airports anyway to take over a hundred mil liquids in their hand luggage without being subject to restrictions. Always struck me as one of the craziest rules of all time <laughs> in that a hundred mil of water was fine. You could get through with a hundred mil of water. But they would make you throw two hundred mil of it down the drain. It makes no sense to me. It never did make any sense to me. Something to do with security and scanning and, and all of that. But yeah, you could that that's being abolished from next year. Something else that will come with that as well is this thing of going through security and you have to take out your laptop and take the battery off your laptop and take out your digital camera and take off the battery and all that old hooey. That will be abolished at some point too in 2024. Cork, Shannon and Dublin will be putting in all of that security. It's just new scanners. It's just the scanners can look deeper into your bag. But I've never been able to understand that and I've asked people in, in aviation about that. Like, What is it that 
<laughs> you can bring 100 mil of water, but you can't bring 200 mil of water. I could never understand that. 0818 96 96 96. Just some responses to Kerry, who attended that protest at Cork City Library last week. Um, and I told you that John O'Donovan had come through, and I was putting it to Kerry. And by the end of our conversation, I think she'd accepted that the people on the front desk at the airport last week were the wrong targets. And they felt intimidated and they felt frightened and they felt unfairly put upon by the protesters. And I put that to Kerry and you've got to give the woman credit for it. She did acknowledge in the end that they were not the right targets and they might have to rethink that tactic. Jala Donovan says, I think PJ fundamentally misunderstands the concept of public protest. The public own institutions like the City Library and we have a right to make a demonstration of how we feel. That is hard on the workers, I know, but in this situation, they're in the front line of social change. Sometimes it can't be helped if things get a bit uncomfortable. I feel most people support what happened during the water protests, whether you do or not, and that unfortunately also involved demonstration where workers who were not decision makers were working. If those protests had not been made, we'd all have water meters and probably be paying for water now, and PJ would be talking about mums who can't afford their water. That is just the way it is. (laughs) Not sure, John, I'm not sure it is fair to involve the people on the front desk. Jay says her and the others abusing staff in the library should be arrested and charged. Nothing's forcing anybody to read books they don't agree with. That lady is probably right. They took the trouble to read the book and she sounds like a very reasonable mother. Children are being exposed to too much sexual content as regards to the Katie Hannon Upfront programme about children being exposed to pornography on their devices as young as eight or nine years. We've been saying that, absolutely. And they're taking their sex education from that. We need to collectively protect young children during a very important developmental age, says Brenda. Well, that's true, Brenda. We're coming into communion and confirmation season. I'll be attending a confirmation myself next week. And communions and confirmations. We talked about this with Coleman Nocter a few weeks ago on the programme. Communion is just too young to be giving children smartphones because you're letting them into that portal to whatever is out there. But it's a valid point. Children are more advanced than we think. All ages can go on the internet or their phones and look something up. So I think it was a waste of time protesting in the library. What will she do next? Protest against what's online, says Margaret. I attended the library on a number of occasions. We're objecting to the book being available in the children's section. The book is guidelined for 12-year-olds. The book can be picked up by children younger than that. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The workings of the library cannot be policed in a proper manner. Any person can withdraw a book using the self-service checkout. As a child of younger than 12 could withdraw this book, we've contacted other bodies such as reporting it to the guards. I believe it's in breach of Children's First 2015 Act. No child should be exposed to sexual material. Please research the Rainbow Reads list of books which Healthy Ireland and Unpust are recommending. I saw the PDFs of this book that are going around. I have not actually read it, but I have. there's a very large selection of PDFs from it. And certainly it's, it's not a book that pulls punches. It is written, clearly written for a young audience in, in their language and using their slang words a, a lot of the time. The fact that it could be picked up by an eight-year-old, fine. But I would, as a response, I would contend there wouldn't be too many eight-year-olds. I would sincerely hope there wouldn't be too many eight-year-olds wandering around the library on their own without a responsible adult who might see them picking this book up and say, no, love, not today. I would hope at least... There's a certain amount of responsible parenting involved in these things too. That's not a thing we like to talk about, but hey, it is what it is. 0818 96 96 96. Now you'd have seen on the Echo last week about fake rentals. We've covered fake rentals over and over and over again on the programme. But they really are an industry now. They're a complete and utter industry. And so much so that one particular Facebook group has taken to blocking, just getting in there and blocking them and have blocked hundreds of fake rentals where the property doesn't exist, you're sending money and they're taking advantage of people who are badly in need of a place to stay. Guilherme has been, Simones, um, Brazilian, living in Cork, is now administering one of these Facebook pages. Guilherme, good morning. So... We work as a, a volunteer. I'm not a, the owner of the group. I'm just one of the admins. There is another lady. She's the owner. She created the group before. Okay. So I just help people, the members, about like blocking these uh, fake profiles and moderating also the, the comments as well. When did you notice that there were a lot of fakes? Uh, first of all, uh, I'm from Brazil when I arrived in, in Ireland. So as everybody, as everybody, I needed to find like a place. And I found like a lot of suspicious uh, profiles, like, weird, like wrong English, and say uh, explanation about the city, about the, about the room which doesn't match, about the next next to trams, next to the subway, always reporting to the admin. And then she asked me to, to become an admin. So you yourself came here to Cork. You wanted to find a, a place to stay. And then you found fake profiles when you went searching. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Tell me the kind of things that you have encountered. Uh, I have found, for example, usually they use like generic explanation about the rooms. Uh, as I mentioned before, they say, oh, our, our house is really well located next to the trams. 
I said, but there is no drums in Cork. And sometimes they post like uh, perfect pictures. You can see that it was downloaded from internet. And the wall socket is like from USA or from another country. Like, uh, like it's not like from Ireland. What's going on, you know? And then I heard people say, oh, I sent money to someone uh, to be able to, to find the accommodation to, to, uh, to be, would become mine. But he disappeared. He, he got my money. And I, I'm still waiting for the key. I said, wait a minute. Ah, he, he said he would receive. He would send me the key. So you encountered people on the group who had already given money to these fake people. Is yes. it? I see. Many, yeah. I see. And then they asked you to become an administrator of the group, and you say that nearly four thousand fake profiles that you've now blocked them at this. Day. Yeah, around four thousand. We have like blocked, you know, finding like suspicious things and. Malicious, they also they send malicious links. They say, oh, click here to find your accommodation. Uh, we're going to help you. And they, they always they post like a link. Yeah. If you click that link, they're going to find your information, your IP, or even they ask you to uh, more information from you. So you're going to fill in your information. They're going to get all your personal information that they can use in something else as well. You know, it can be really dangerous. But they do that all the time. And do you know of people who have given them money? I know. I know some people have given money. So, and I told them, you know, like, go, go, like, in person to see the house, you know. Uh, ask for some kind of uh, proof that you'll be able to get into the house, you know. Ask, like, the key. Test the key, you know, if it's not fake. Yes. Just don't give the money away to people that you don't know. Like, we can't do that. But I understand people are in despair, especially nowadays about these housing problems. People are desperate to find a house and accommodation. So. And supposing that you try to arrange a viewing of these fake places, what happens if you, if you ask for a viewing? So, uh, for example, these fake ads, they ask to view. Usually they say, Oh, yes, you can see, but first of all, just let you know that I'm working overseas. Uh, I'm not in, in Ireland at the moment. If you can look after for me, the house would be great. Yes, we just, but there are more people uh, interested in my place. If you can find, uh, can send me like a small amount of money. So they kind of persuade the person to pay up front to, to keep the, the place, you know? And the person, oh, yeah, that's how it works. Okay, no problem. I'm going to send you the money, you know, so they disappear. Sometimes they even send the key, but it's fake, the key. So, oh, hold on. Some people have actually been sent keys. Yes, yes. I heard people, they are received the keys from the poster, but of course it's fake, you know. Oh, God. Oh, goodness me. And they've lost money and all of that. Yeah. Can the guards help? Can the, can the guard, the police help if, if someone is caught out like this? Always, always I tell them to get in touch with the local guard, but I never heard. Because it's usually it's, uh, overseas, uh, the money is sent to uh, some African countries, uh, like some UK. So it's, it's hard to, to, to get the money back, you know. Um, Gilhermi, what is your advice and the advice of your fellow administrators to people who are... Because it is so hard to find accommodation in Cork at the moment. What is your advice to people? So if you like a place, so ask as many questions as possible. 
So how many people there are there? Uh, is the house like, you know, I mean, under the, the law to be able to be rented, you know, ask who is the owner, who is the responsible, go there in person, in person, make sure everything is right as well. And let's say if it's fine, and then they're going to ask you like uh, upfront money. Yes, you pay, but ask for a receipt, ask for a kind of confirmation, and please make sure you have the key. That's the key as well, you know. Make sure if the person is liable, you can trust, you know, everything is fine, looks legit to me, like looks fine, looks good. Just don't send money to any other person who you don't know, like it's really dangerous and you can get in trouble. Do you think, Kilherme, that people know that it's so hard to get accommodation in Cork and that's why they're doing this? Unfortunately, these fraudsters, they know that. But also these uh, fake ads, they post everywhere. I know someone who look after, uh, runs another admin group in Netherlands. Always they post the same ad there in Cork, Dublin, and USA, exactly the same. So we just, I just copy and paste their name, and I see exactly the same ads. So I'll, straight away, I block them, you know? I see. They don't care. They keep trying. They keep trying. You're providing an excellent service. Lastly, can I ask for the name of the group so that people who might be listening who would like to rent an apartment or a house, that they know they're in a group that's genuine? What is the name of it? Sure, no problem. It's Cork Rooms, Flatmate, Rent. Cork Rooms, Flatmates and Rents. And your name is Guilherme yeah. Simones. Yes, yeah, Simones, Simones. You're doing an excellent job. And thank you for speaking to me this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Vijay. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And that's uh, Guilherme who, who told the lads before he was on with me that English isn't his first language. Well, I tell you, it's a hell of a lot better than my Portuguese would be. So thank you for that. 0818 96 96 96. PJ, that man is right. Our Spanish au pair nearly got caught by a German woman who's scamming students and au pairs all over Cork. Now, I don't know whether this is a Brexit thing. Fergal Barry will tell me straight away if it is or isn't because Fergal knows exactly what Brexit causes and what it doesn't. Um, it's just one of his things. He said, Colour says, I, I sent €20 Euro to the UK just as Patrick's Day treat for someone. I had to fill out a form. I was told it's money laundering. Do you have to do this in other EU countries? What data protection measures are taken with this information? Also, I had to spend €12 Euro to send a magazine by post to the UK. There are strong ties between our two countries, and I think the cost and bureaucracy is extreme. In general, I actually think all these money laundering checks are way over the top because they don't seem to stop the real criminals. There's a lot of stuff being put down to Brexit that isn't really Brexit at all. People making money on the back of Brexit, but we don't know. But certainly, if... You are, if you're sending money, you see, to the UK now, you are sending it out of the EU. So they may well have some terms and conditions that are useful, shall we say. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. 
The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You make me feel... You can host a coffee break, fill a change collector box, or support your favourite sport on Jersey Day. And we're always open to fun new ways to fundraise. So get planning now. Get planning now. The Giving for Living Radiothon. Supporting Cork Cancer Services. May 25th to 27th. You make you may feel only on Cork's 96FM. You will remember that last week I was talking about the Chevals in West Cork. And as I drove around at the weekend down there, I saw a few signs for Chevals. One in particular was a, was a Kenona had a Cheval, if I'm pronouncing it right, back in February. And I, I kind of smiled to myself after realising just how popular these events are around West Cork and how much fantastic money they raise for charity. But as Pat was explaining, they've kind of been scuppered now by the insurance companies who have said you can't carry a passenger in them, even though the little carter, the little, the little trap easily holds two people. Uh, Martin O'Sullivan, morning to you. Good morning, PJ. You're worried about this. I saw the posters over the weekend and I kind of, a little sad smile to myself. You won't be able to run them now. Well, at the moment, we'll, we'll, we'll finish off this year anyway because we, we, early in the year, we got 10 chevals covered mm. by, by trying very, very difficult to, to get insurance. But uh, we, we got 10 covered, but there about three or four weeks ago, they gave us a note saying that we weren't allowed to carry any passengers on the traps. Yeah, only only the driver. So that kind of that puts a a big a big halt on everything. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's a change as Patrick explained to me last week. It's a change, and I mean it. It knocks a bit of uh, fun out of it where you have somebody in the trap with you. It shortens the journey. You're having a chat going along the the country roads that we travel. Uh, I mean the, the roads we travel. There is no, there's no cars in a lot of them because there's probably a, a run of grass going through the middle of them. That's they're, right. They're just, have. just for the sake of people who might have missed it last week, Martin, and wouldn't be too familiar with what a cheval actually is. It's, it's a road trot event, isn't it? It's a road. Uh, uh, there's ridden, ridden horses. They're, they're, they're not racing. There, there is no racing. They're just travelling after each other along the road with. Uh, a vehicle in front of them with a flashing light and a big sign saying Cheval in progress and another vehicle back of them. So there is no real danger. Everything is done uh, for the safety of it. It's not a race. It's not competitive. It's not a race. It's not competitive. It's just for a Sunday evening to go for a drive out in our ponies and traps and uh, some of the horses are ridden. Ridden horses go first with uh, the front horse being in control, which is uh, usually Debbie. Pat and Debbie, you were talking to Pat O'Driscoll. That's right. Uh, they have they have Trojan work done for Chevelles in West Cork. Yeah. And I think it's a shame to think that insurance is going to upscuttle the whole thing and uh, they definitely will die out like if, if mm. something isn't done for them. Yeah. Because, and they're, like I say, they are run far to collect money for small charities. Yes, you got Simple what six thousand for Enable Ireland recently, did you? We've done six thousand one hundred and seventy-nine euros for Enable Ireland, and it's—I'd uh, I'd even like you'd give the the lady I was dealing with there if you gave her a shout. She was more than grateful to us. She's Marie Desmond. She's in charge. Oh, I of know the, Marie well. I know Marie yeah. Desmond very well. Yeah, she's she's a lovely person, uh, and she gave us great help, and she was more than thankful for the 
the sum that we gave that's her was six thousand one hundred and seventy-nine. That's a fine, hand, handy chunk of change. Well, there's a lot of work goes into running these Chevelles, and you know, for somebody over in Brussels that that are the underwriters of the of the insurance, they don't even know what a Chevelle is. Probably. Yeah, this is the thing. Nobody in Ireland. We'll touch them, Martin. Why do you know? Nobody in Ireland. We, Pat, Pat told me that he's tried several different companies. They don't want to hear about horses, ponies, traps, or anything like that. I mean, you have other crowds. You have the hunts crowd. You have all them. They have to sign indemnification forums before they go out on the hunts. That We have to sign indemnification forums. So, I mean, we still have insurance, but we still have to sign these waivers that, that there'll be no claims. Yes. And there's, we've never had a claim in, in, in Westcott Crevelle. Uh, no, I'm only one club. We're, I'm talking on behalf of the Drummond League club. Sure. There's, there's, we got ten Chevelles covered uh, by insurance from this uh, British company, and it cost us three thousand to cover ten Chevelles. That's three hundred for each committee. Yes, yes. When they run their Chevelle, that's the first thing they have to collect. They have to collect three hundred and give it for insurance. But will you not be able to carry someone other than the driver in the trap under that insurance? No. No. No, we we were there until about a month ago. Uh, the first cheval that it came in was the the Baravella cheval, uh, which the, we had to sign a waiver that day that uh, we'd we'd guaranteed them that we wouldn't carry passenger with us. Now I was talking to one man that was out on that day, and he said that seems kind of strange. He said because I have my pony and trap insured with uh, an Northern Ireland company, and he said down in black and white in his insurance certificate, do not go on the road without having your groomsman with you. Okay. So, I mean, what a contradiction so his, is... Hold on a minute. His insurance stipulates he must have somebody with him. Exactly. And years exactly. says you can't have anybody. Exactly. For, we're, we're, for, we're for the same little, for want of a better the, word, little vehicle. Exactly. For the same vehicle. That makes uh, no we, sense, Martin. It don't make sense. There's uh, somebody, there's somebody messing up somewhere. Like, and could could and you, could you all go up to this fella's insurer up the north and? Well, that's that's being spoken about at the moment. But uh, I don't know. We, I I I have to I have to see further about it. Like I'm yeah. like the fella said, I'm only one. Yes. But uh, we'll we'll probably continue this year now, and we'll have an AGM, and we'll see what we'll do from there. Yeah. There is a junior but, minister in charge of insurance yes. matters. Have you brought it to their attention? Well, my nephew, Christopher, he's uh, Southwest Cut. Oh, yeah, so, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah he, he, uh, he brought it up in the Dáil. And uh, from there, now I don't know what's happening about it, but he did bring it up in the Dáil. And uh, I hope that there'll be something done about it so that minister that's in charge over the insurances, that he will be able to do something for us. But you see, we're not the only people that are... In trouble with this, you have traditional old-time trashings gone because of insurance. Yeah, I mean, take take the Jimmy League trashing this year. Now it had to be held in a different place up uh, in the top of the rock. They call it where the the pods are above because they couldn't get insurance in the railway yard in Jimmy League. Right, and the the the, the man that owned the the pods on top of the rock, he had insurance, so that they ran it under them under his insurance. And tell me, Martin, I know that steam rallies and stuff are very popular down West Cork too. The Upton, I'm thinking of in particular, like you bring you bring your your tra- old tractor or your old tasher along yes, the road. Yes, can you bring? Yes. Can you can you do that now anymore? 
you can so far you can anyway but they're 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 in trouble too and more than them the the, the road bowling or anything that was good in rural ireland is being just they want them off the road and that's it that's my road, view with road it, bowling, well, you, 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 it sounds like you're not far wrong road bowling as well Oh yeah, they're 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 in they're in they're in trouble with insurance for a long time. Like they're just 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 very uh, it's very restricted now. Like and and you know just just going to get worse. Like if something isn't done about it, these are old traditions in West Cork are being punished for 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 raising money for charities. And tell me this, while I have you, does insurance companies tend to insure or not insure based on the track record? Shall we say? Exactly. So you've had no claims, I take it. No claims. No claims. So why, no. with no claims, did they change the terms and conditions just out of the blue? Well, I suppose that, that, that if they have only one on the trap, I suppose they'd be lessening their chances of a claim. That's the way I look at it anyway. But, like but as Martin was saying to me last week, uh, Pat, sorry, Pat, rather, I beg your pardon, Pat said it's actually safer to have two. Of course it is. I mean... The last cheval we had now was down in, in the beehive down in near Lip. And uh, uh, this man, we were talking to him on the road. I didn't take out a pony on that day because, you know, I'm getting fairly well fed up of traveling the country on my own. And I was talking to this man and he said, would you ever hold the pony there for me? He says, while well, I go to the toilet. Nice. I mean, just, just crazy to think that you can't have somebody which, uh, to, to give you a hand even on the day. Well, like like your your pal, who's insured up the north, you can't exactly. you can't he, take the thing out without somebody can. with you. Well, he's he's breaking he's breaking his contract with the insurer that he's with if he goes out on his own. So he he went out on his own and uh, down at the Beehive that day and let, and he actually broke his contract with his insurer because he's not supposed to go on the road without a passenger with him. But he it would be wrong for him. That he he could, he he was insured. He could. He, this is making no. Plus the fact that no Irish, like this is a traditional Irish. I suppose. Is it is it traditional to West Cork or is it national? Pastime? Oh God, there, there's there's pony drives all over the country right. to prairie. So this is every... a traditional Irish pastime. Yes, and very popular with families. Very great for raising money for charity, and no Irish company will touch it. No Irish company would. They, would, they wouldn't even court us, but. Uh, take the, take one we don't know for bumblings, oh, the, ch- the children's yeah. families. We gave them nearly 5,000. And you'd say, how did we get involved with him? We got involved with them because Kevin Hurley and Ali Aileen, they're a family over the road here for me. They had a child with scoliosis. Yes. And we just decided they were so good to that family with that ambulance uh, transporting their child that we decided we'd give them something back. And we ran a cheval for them. Fantastic, fantastic. I mean, these 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 traditional ways of raising money. And another thing I'll say, it's one of the cleanest ways you can travel. And they're talking about carbon f- footprints and all this. I mean, she's uh, yeah. just the old. How did how did we go to mass 40, 50 years ago? I mean, the Hudson trap. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. No, it is. And there was there was four and five in the trap, and there was. I mean, to to the done thing. But do, now, do you think? That the um, insurance companies were a bit, and, and I know it's, a, I know it's a different vehicle. But do you think the insurance companies were, were, what's the word I'm looking for? Spooked by the accident that happened with the with the Jarvis in in Killarney a couple in, of years ago. 
I probably, probably yes. That the, the, there was two Americans they got killed in, in, in but that was from a jumping car, which yes, they, they're, jar, they're, yeah, still yeah. In, they're still in the go, but they must be paying, they must be paying a lot of insurance. Yeah. But uh, I mean, you have accidents in every walk of life. Yes, yes, and that's why you have insurance. And uh, I mean, just, just the whole thing is crazy. That sh- really, there should be something, something from headquarters on it because just, just, it's just going to be ant. Uh, it is a great tradition, and you'd hate to see it die out because of some bureaucrat in Brussels who, like you say, has probably never seen um, a cheval in his life or her life. Martin, thank you. That's Martin O'Sullivan. Keep an eye to that one across the summer to see what happens. March is Irish Music Month on Cork's 96FM in association with Hot Press, and we're proud to support and promote new Irish music right across the station with the biggest names and the brightest new stars on the scene. It's Irish Music Month, Irish Radio, supporting Irish artists in association with Hot Press Magazine, the IBI and the BAI Sound and Vision Fund. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM the minds are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. This is an excellent point, Bernie. Bernie comes back on the Chevals and says, contrast what's happening with the Chevals and what's happening with scooters. It just doesn't make sense. You're so right, Bernie. You've got scooters scooting around the city and county, city anyway, at all times of the day and night. Some of them with no lighting, some of them lit up like Christmas trees, none of them actually supposed to be on the open road, not a shred of insurance between the lot of them. They are going around free and easy and without anyone checking up what they're at and then you've got the Chevelles down in West Cork who are a family tradition going back dozens of years and they're getting chased off the road because some fella in Brussels says that they can't have a passenger and some guy in Northern Ireland now says they have to have a passenger it makes no sense you're right Bernie thank you for that Actually, the minister in charge or the minister with responsibility for insurance matters is Jennifer Carol McNeil. And to see what she had to say about this. Look, we can send an email and ask, will she talk to us? Chances are she won't. She'll say she just doesn't comment on individual cases and all that kind of thing. Might be worth asking, though, to see what she'd have to say for herself. 0818 96 96 96. Now, something else that happened. Seems to be a really busy weekend in, in West Cork. The, the, the rally was on as well. I got caught in that. Oh, and I should have known better because I was a couple of, a couple of years I was involved myself with the Cork 20 and I know how busy Rally HQ areas get and I drove straight into the Rally HQ on Friday evening just as they were putting the cars into Park Fermi for the evening. That's where they all get locked down and they can't get touched again until the morning. Just as they were starting to put the cars in, didn't I arrive into Clannacilty? Oh, nightmare. 0818 96 96 96. But also down around, Ed, was it... Whereabouts did, did you find this, Anne Murphy? I saw the picture in, in Cork B.O. This is quite disgusting to find out for a walk. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you doing? Good. Where were you? I'm in Jimmy League. Okay. 
Okay. And you've thrown you out for a walk? I was out for a walk with my dog, as I'd normally be. Yeah. And as I was approaching the area, I thought, because at the side of a, the road, just below my house a bit. Yeah. And as I was approaching, I actually thought there was something gone wrong with my eyes, because I could see a glare of blue. Right. And as I got nearer, I was shocked to see, like, blue paint or dye at the side of the road, just thrown there. Yeah. And you can imagine the mess that would be, and it looks so unsightly. Yeah. Um, it's a picture on Cork Bureau, was, it actually. It's really horrible. There in a the beautiful countryside, this dirty, great big blue streak. Exactly. And there was about three, uh, two three-litre milk bottles, plastic, which could be recycled, dumped. I had a pair of socks. Um, I had... Um, there was a cardboard packaging. Mm. Um, there was nothing in the cardboard packaging, but there was a cardboard packaging. Um, there was a person's surname on it. Let's not give any names um, out, but their, the surname no, was on it. it was, was it a B&Q package or something, was it? That was it, and it came from Limerick, and it was delivered by a courier. Right. And there was a code under the surname, so it can be easily identified, you know, an order number. Yes, yes. Under the surname, so it could be very easily identified. So what did you do? Um, of course, nowadays, I've only a smartphone since April of last year, and nowadays, like, it's so easy to highlight issues like this. I photographed it, Good. and um, I put it up in a local notice board, and uh, it got great um, comments, and people were shocked. Mm. We and, don't know what this um, blue stuff was, do you? Was it poisonous no, or dangerous? Uh, when or I came back home, huh? no, we don't know what it is. But when I came back home, um, my brother, we phoned the council, and we were got on to Skibbereen, and we were told to go up to Nascara. And I'd know in Ascara because I'm originally a melancholic woman and proud of it. And um, we were tra- we were told then we got an email this morning to go back to um, Skibbereen. Oh, uh, the photos were sent to the base in Clannacilty, the head base, and yeah. they told us to go back to Skibbereen. It was then we got the number of the um, litter warden. But all this running around, yeah. if we were told that on Thursday we would be away ahead because we had a lot of rain since yes. and the evidence and the package will be getting destroyed, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, you took the photographs. It is a strange kind of a thing. It's sort of it, it's sort of shiny, isn't it? It's bright, it is. very and bright see, blue. like. It's very bright blue and my brother was on the Citizens' Assembly and they put in a lot of time voluntary going up weekends and stuff. And that was one of the things they're dead against is this dumping around the place. Flight tipping, yeah. Um, this person must have came from Skibbereen and that would be about 10 miles in a single journey yeah. to my area and dumped that. And like in all fairness, people around, ourselves included, we all go to the recycling centre and, you know, it's so annoying then and frustrating when you go out and see that down below your house. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's unbelievable. And a beautiful area. And I was and down around that part of the country the weekend and it was, we're driving on Saturday. We drove 
from Skib down there by their own club down drove into into Ballydehaben into Scotland with an absolutely gorgeous spring day and to think that someone would come and dump that stuff down in the middle of it all exactly and I was online I was looking at Facebook on uh, Wednesday night Thursday morning at about half twelve and there was a car slowed up outside my house mm. and I reckoned that was the car I'm uh, putting the pieces together I might be wrong well, but be careful now what I you say I know what you mean pro- I know what you mean it. Yeah, but um, it destroys the countryside. There's no need for it. Well, you don't know what it is. If it got into a river or into a lake or into a stream, that's what I, that's what I mentioned. And you're hundred percent right. And um, if an animal went at it, you know, they've just no regard for anything other than themselves. And it's it's, it's horrible. It's It's antisocial behaviour. Is what it is. It is, and like it's not acceptable, like. No, it's not. And to someone to come in and do that, like, is totally, and it makes the place very um, unsightly as well. Mm. Has it been cleaned up, or what's the story now, Anne? No, it is still there, still there. And you see, that's what annoys me, because mm. if you had something proper, if this was in another country, there'd be someone out when you'd phone them. In all fairness, they were phoned on, when I came back from the walk on Thursday, they could, someone could have came over from Skibbereen taking photographs of the evidence on the package and the person's name and the order number. This person can be easily identified and it could be dealt with even as we speak now. Yeah. But there's nothing happening at the moment. Yes. Uh, there was no TDs got on to me. No local councillors got on to me. Um, no friends are there. No environment. Like, nothing like that. Yeah. But... Um, because just this is the first time we often had rubbish dumped before. That's bad enough. But the joy or the paint, like that's yes. really um, not un- un- totally unacceptable. Yeah. Did, did I hear that what's happening now sometimes down round West and is that they're coming up to graveyards and throwing their bags in over the wall? I've heard of that, all right. Freaky. And, you know, like what next will they do? Yeah. And someone else has to clean that, you see. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's all, it's all, it's off. And it's still out there. You, you notified Council Thursday and it's still on the road. Exactly. And that's what furiates me. We're only even on Trump this morning again and they're all out. And as the poor receptionist in is in taking the calls and they're all out, but we don't know where they are. And like, it's like they're like a mind onto their own. Um, if a person went into a recycling centre and if the bins were full and mm. if you just left your bag there, you could be done for that. But then at the same time, you can have all this at the side of the road and it's kind of left there. Mm. I've, I've been onto the council before about things left around and names and them and they never got back to me. And, and here's the thing, so, you know, here's, um, here's what had happened now. Here's the kind of thing that can happen. Here's the kind of thing that can happen. So we, get a, we, we then see another news report in a few days' time a fish kill or animals poisoned or water contaminated from this stuff. Exactly. And if there are act- everything is acted on time, it can be dealt with in time and sorted out. Yeah, and like, I don't my bit. We got onto the council. Absolutely. I photographed it. I highlighted it. And I have my piece done. But it's just left to still down there. And you and, called them on Thursday. Um, I called them on Thursday and whatever kind of a diet is, with all the, we had heavy rain now since Thursday, uh, the other night there it was heavy and it's still kind of there. Yeah. 
Right. And whatever is in it, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Is it a dye, a paint? Yeah. I just that, don't that's know. That's the point. You don't know what it is. And clearly it has now washed away, which means it's gone into the grass, it's gone into the gullies, it's gone into the drain. Yeah, and I called them on Thursday and I'm still, I was, got to run around as they say. Um, we were told, oh, Skibbereen don't deal with that, go on Tinnascarra. Then we went to the headquarters in Clannacilty. There was We got an email back this morning, oh, get on to Skibbereen. They gave the number then of the um, little warden and we're still waiting for someone to come out. Oh, for and you see that's sake. That's, ridiculous. that's very. I find that so frustrating. If you're in Germany or in other countries, that would be dealt with there and then. You would have had someone out that have photographed the packaging like I did, yeah. and they'd be getting on the job. There'd be a man sent out in a small van to pick it up mm. and clean it up. They would absolutely. Yeah. You're um, not, you're not wrong, and that's that. It's it's awful that someone dumps it, but it's. Uh, if you ask me, the attitude of the council towards it is appalling. Well, that's what, uh, yes, um, that's what totally infuriates myself. Because, like, you do your bit, you get on to to do, you get it sorted, and you're kind of going from post to pillar. Yeah. And thank you very much for that, and it's still there. It's still there. So she notified, I thought this happened the week, she notified them on Thursday. She was out with her dog, she saw this fly tipping, a big, brightly coloured, blue, it's almost neon blue and she reported it to the council, took some photographs, put up a thing on a local notice board, loads of responses today it's still there it's been raining over the weekend she was been sent around from she contacted Skibbereen Skibbereen, oh we don't what kind of guff is that like it's there four days now, being rained on and probably washed into the soil and washed into the dra- into the little gullies. That's absolutely crazy. Speaking of litter, though, on a more positive note, uh, Cork's new specially designed... I haven't seen this yet, but I'm told it's a, it's a dinger of a thing. It's a new bin. They've designed it specially for um, pizza boxes. It's just there on the junction of Alpunk Street and Grand Parade. Uh, they've put it in recently, and there was... You go down there any Monday morning and sure, it was like a pizza party had taken place during the night. This is a specifically designed bin for pizza boxes and it has worked a treat. Well, if it worked a treat now over Paddy's weekend, that's good. Because that'd be a baptism for fire for any kind of pizza box bin to, to install it in time for Paddy's weekend. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork's 96 FM invites you to run the Cork City Marathon Sunday, June 4th. Yeah, we run and we run and we run. Whatever you do it for, be part of this summer's favourite feel-good event. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie for Sunday, June 4th. Do it now. Do it now. With Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cork's 96 FM. That would annoy the hell out of you, though, if you were someone like Anne who discovered that on Thursday. She's out for a walk with her dog and she comes across this fly tipping with this awful-looking bluish dye 
spilt all over the side of the road. She knows it's not right. She knows it could be dangerous. She takes photographs. She contacts the council. She does all the things that a concerned citizen should do in these supposedly environmentally sensitive times of ours. And it's still out on the road today. And it's been rained on over the weekend. So God knows now where it's gone. That's just utterly Utterly crazy. Oh eight one eight ninety six, ninety six ninety six. Someone at the county hall needs to get the finger out and get that cleaned. And I don't care where the van has to come from. On a more positive note, big achievement for Corkman Derek Hickey. Who's he, PJ? Derek Hickey is the first Irish person ever to be an official at a Bellator mixed martial arts event. It happened recently, actually happened the end of February at the Three Arena in Dublin, Bellator 291. And Derek was an official, a judge there at that event. Uh, First time an Irishman has ever been chosen to judge at that level of the Bellator promotion. Derek joins me now. Start, Derek, by telling me a bit about Bellator and where it comes in the ranks of, of the MMA world. Morning to you. Morning, PJ. Um, Bellator, it would be in, let's say, the top three promotions on the planet, really. Um, so it is one of the biggest organizations in the world. Depending on who you speak to, I suppose, you, you'd have the UFC, which would be the premier organization, um, and then below that, Bellator or one championship. So tell me about your, your MMA career. When did you start it and where? I started around 13 years ago. I was I was an MMA fan and, and I, I used to just watch it on TV and, and watch the UFC like like a lot of people do. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to learn more about it, not just be the person who sits there and, and, and talks about it. So there was a gym in Blackpool. It was called K2C Martial Arts at the time, right? which is now, which is now called SBG Cork City. Um, and I just went down, walked in the door and, and, and signed up. That's um, Liam O'Griffin's place, isn't it? A bit out there, yeah. Liam O'Griffin, yeah. Liam is my head coach, yeah. It's a great spot. Um, it's running for a long time and, and and it's great to see the the gym progress and, and get bigger and, and also the sport on top of it. So were you a decent fighter or what, what prompted the decision to go into the judging and refing side of things? No, I think I think everybody thinks they're a decent fighter until you actually have to fight people who know how to fight. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So then, then, then you realise how, how how not so decent you are when you're when you're in there. But again, it's like everybody who walks in the door. You you have to start everything as a rookie. You're either the nail or you're the hammer. And for for many years, you're going to be the nail. It's about getting experience. It's about growing. It's about making contacts in in the game. And it's about impressing because you're only as good as your last fight. So if you're if you're putting in decisions that aren't that aren't right, or if you're refing a fight and you make mistakes, yeah. Um, they follow you, you know. And where did you get to learn to make the calls? Like, you must have started judging scraps in Blackpool. Yeah, that's exactly where I started. I'm looking at the list of places that you have been an official now. UK, Bahrain, Bulgaria, Luxembourg, Abu Dhabi, Thailand, Tajikistan, Italy, France. You're getting around, lad. And some of them I travel to over and over, you know. So Bahrain, I've been there three or four times. Thailand, I was there twice in a year. Abu Dhabi, twice in a year. A lot of work and a lot of my own financial investment went into it at the very beginning yeah. to get experience and and to learn and to work with with top level guys. Cheeky question: Is there handy money in it now? At the top level, maybe. 
there's there's very few who would make a full time living from this. There's always you'll always have a second yeah. second income. There's three or four referees in the world who probably do this full time. Yeah, um, but they're the very very elite. Yeah, you'll get there one day. It's a turnaround for you, young man. As a teenager, things weren't going your way. Yeah, um, again, that's not down to anybody else. Like I came from a good family and. You know, I never had a let's say a drink problem or a drug problem or anything. I can blame it on it was just, just my own carry on and my own decisions really that kind of used to put me in trouble all the time. Mm, getting in fights um, and stuff. Yeah, fights and doing other stuff. I won't really get but like anything and everything I was capable of doing. To be quite honest. Back then, that just required you going in and out of detention centres and you know courts every week and yeah. you know clashes with the guards every week and. All, all that comes with it you know but do you ever have people telling you you're amount to nothing young man all the time in school I used to get it nearly every day again like it's you, you and, and and you can't really blame them either because you know that was the carry on out of me I didn't really care you know I used to just do what I wanted to do all the time what changed um, well what changed like I'm still like don't get me wrong I'm still still very capable of making stupid decisions so I met my partner Tracy 14 years ago. We had our daughter Zoe, um, and kind of Tracy's kind of the reason I changed. Hmm. It's she makes all the sensible decisions, you know. Anytime I'm, you know, anytime that she can, there's an, like an inkling for me to do something stupid. It's it's her that telling me that that doesn't make any sense. So hmm. um, you're very self-aware, Derek. Where did that come from? <laughs> I understand myself, you know. I know I'm not the most sensible um, and I'm capable of making stupid decisions. But I also am aware like that I have kids that rely on me financially and, you know, that I have responsibilities that I need to be around for. So um, that that's what kind of... And I have so much to lose now. Back then, I didn't really care. I was young, you know. Mm. I'd always have a home to go to. I'd never... If I didn't have money, my parents would always give me money. There was nothing that would stop me for doing anything stupid, you know. Do you ever, um, you know, when you when you go to step into a ring now in Bahrain or Tajikistan or Thailand or wherever, do you ever get that notion to say to the people who told you you'd amount to nothing, well, who was right and who was wrong? Do you, do you ever feel that way? Yeah, I'd love to. Like, you know, in school I was told all the time I'd never go anywhere in life. Um you know, and I was told I went actually do transition chair one year and I was told I'd be like a worm in a basket of fruit that I'd only rot the entire class. So Ooh, that was just, very nice. Yeah. But um look, I, I still probably owe them detentions anyway back in the school, so it's uh Yeah. It does yeah. it doesn't bother me, you know. I'm I'm not somebody who cares what other people think. You yeah. know, I, I don't care, you know. I just I just you know, I have my own focus and, and just that's the way I go. What's the next assignment as a as a judge, yeah? So we have our national championships in Dublin. Um, so that's the Irish national championships from the 24th of March until the 26th. Um, so that's anybody that wants to uh, get a place on the Irish national team going forward. That's where they'll have the gold medal at. Um, and then we've got a, a junior and cadet. So that's 13 years of age to under 18s is our, our cadets. And then we've got our, our seniors, which is 18 over. When's, when is the next um, time you'll be waving the passport? I'm. I have to actually. So I'm on on the Friday. I'll go to Dublin and I'll I'll work the um, show in Dublin on the Friday. Then I've got a flight to Newcastle Friday night and do a show 
called the PFL Professional Fighters League it's in Newcastle on Saturday night mm-hmm. and then I fly home early Sunday morning and I'll go back and I'll continue with my show in Dublin on Sunday It's a busy busy time ahead of you I wish you well with it and congratulations Derek Appreciate that PJ Thank you sure, that, That's Derek Hickey Cheers Derek Bellator First Irishman ever to officiate at a Bellator MMA event Of course we've got the UFC and all that's connected to that we've got the one championship and there's a lad from the north side of the city I got his name a couple of weeks back and of course it has gone out the other side of my head with a, a Corkman uh, fighting in the one championship now and we have a, an official at Bellator we, we, we punch above our weight sorry I had to 0818 96 96 96 come here to me Audrey in Hamburg what happened? How did it come to be that Michael Bublé is sitting in the Flickenkecker drinking a pint of Guinness on St. Patrick's Day? Because I thought you were making it all up. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. No, definitely wasn't making it all up. I, I thought happened. you were dreaming or drunk or something. Like, what the hell happened? Well, I thought I was dreaming when he walked <laughs> in the door. Tell me how this Funny. all started. Uh, about a year ago, he um, did a live Q&A on Twitter and he said he was going to bring his new album out on tour and he said I asked him not expecting an answer obviously um, is Hammer going to be on the tour and if it is would you like to come to my Irish pub for a pint of Guinness and he wrote back to me which I also didn't expect and he said I would love to come to your Irish pub for a pint of Guinness I thought this is never going to happen and then in September he announced his tour dates and Hamburg, the Hamburg date was actually on Paddy's Day. So I said, oh, my God, would you look at that? This is a sign from the universe. This actually might happen. And thought no more about it. Mm-hmm. And then on uh, during the week, I got a call from one of the team um, on the tour to say that some of the band would like to come to the pub uh, on Paddy's Day before, for a Guinness before they go to the show. Right. I said, no problem. I said, just give me a name, give me a, how many people, and I'll reserve them a little snug. And did you think so one of your it, staff was winding you up? I, I, one of my staff came into the kitchen and said, so, yeah, so the band never turned up anyway on Paddy's Day. So I said, oh, sure, look, at, I'm never going to see him. That's the closest I'm probably ever going to get to him. <laughs> and he even made a TikTok around the corner from the pub on Thursday night. And I was like, oh, God, so close, but so far away. So I was in the kitchen um, and one of the bo- the boys who uh, waiters here, he came into the kitchen and he said, there's a mic at the door for you. I said, Mike, I don't know anybody called Mike. I said, just give me a second and I'll be out. And um, I went out to the kitchen and there he was standing at the door <laughs> shouting, happy Paddy's Day, Audrey. I'm here for that Guinness I promised you last year. For goodness sake, did anyone get this on film? Yes, it's, he made a TikTok about me. Oh, this is dynamite. This is fun. And he came in, had a pint. What's he like? He's lovely. He's really, really nice. Yeah, he came in with four of his team. Um, they stayed for about 20 minutes, maybe, 25 minutes, maybe. Right. And he drank, we drank a pint together, like you promised. And he said, we've been, he said, this surprise has been planned for you for about a month. He said, me and my team have been watching your socials every time you tag me about the concert in Hamburg. Yeah. And we've compiled all of it together in a video. And we're going to make a TikTok about you tonight before the show. Uh, you're a serious fan, of course. You've seen him a few times. I love Michael Bublé, yeah. yeah. You and, love him yeah, even more now. Oh, stop it. We're besties now, PJ. And uh, he made a separate, uh, slightly different video uh, with the tagging, with the screenshots of my social media on his Facebook page. This has just gone mental. I cannot believe the interest in this. I haven't stopped since Friday night. Mm. You, know, you see him like, you'll be waiting at somebody... 
Oh, you'd be a fan of Michael Bublé, would you? I had a pint at him one time. <laughs> oh, listen, I'm going to milk this as long as I can. Did you get to the gig? I was actually going to the gig anyway. Right. I, I had a great ticket, and I actually won two tickets after I bought my own tickets. Right. Because I um, thought... But the tickets I... An Irish bar in, in Hamburg trying to get Paddy's night off to go to a concert mightn't be the best of it. And then he, it's your bar, like. Well, it's my bar, so... <laughs> <laughs> but there was no way in heck I was not missing this show. So, uh, yeah, so I won two tickets, and they weren't as good as the seat I had. So the friend I was going with, I told her she's going to have to sit in her own... Because my ticket was better than. <laughs> so I was there and I smuggled an Irish flag in in my shoe and I got up to the front right under his nose and I draped the, the Irish flag over the barrister and he called out the pub at the start of the show. Uh, so that was very nice. And well. this is all gone on social as well, I suppose. The him calling out the yeah. show hasn't. Oh. I haven't. I haven't uh, put that up yet because I literally I haven't stopped since Friday. With interest in this, it's been absolutely crazy. You, you, you know, you he could start a trend. Well, he could. <laughs> now, who else would you love to see walking in for a pint? If you could pick anyone. Ash, it has to be yourself, PJ. You say all the nice things, Audrey, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Stop us. I'll be in this buble bubble for another while, yes. Uh, that's, that's brilliant. And I might even play an old buble song there now. There's one up there. There's one up there. Delighted. Listen, fantastic. And I've been watching all the socials all the weekend and glad to, to chat with you uh, this morning. That's Audrey Leaves from Crosshaven. We've talked many times on the show. You'll find her uh, Irish Girl Abroad on Twitter and she's on uh, Instagram and all that. Michael Bublé, she messaged him on Q&A, would you like to come for a pint in my little Irish bar on Paddy's Day in Hamburg when you come to perform here and didn't he walk in on Paddy's Day and drank a pint at her in the bar, the Fleet and Kegger in Hamburg. Like, that's kind of dream come true stuff, isn't it? Here is that TikTok. Here's the audio from it. Today is Friday, March 17th, 2023. It's at St. Patrick's Day. And what is more Irish than being in Hamburg, Germany for St. Patrick's Day? Anyway, for about a year, this beautiful woman, Audrey, has been writing me on my socials, telling me that she runs a something called the Fleet and Kicker Pub. Say that three times. Fleet and Kicker, Fleet and Kicker, Fleet and Kicker. She's invited me to go have a drink on St. Patrick's. And I kind of wrote back and said, if I'm there, I will. It's happening. We're here. She doesn't know I'm coming. I don't even know if she's going to be there, but hey, what a great excuse to have a drink. Woohoo! Let's go. This is great. Well, I can't believe this is happening. We did it. We're here. Please, we kick a pop. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy Patty's Day, Day, everyone. You're so welcome. Cheers. Cheers. How mad is that? That's just brilliant. 0818969696. Ryan Sheehan. Thank you. Ryan Sheehan. That's the chap um, from the north side of the city who has joined the one championship. That's, that, thank you for that. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Cork's 96 FM. Uh, Kevin wants to know how can we get cheap flights to Paris for the World Cup? I'd say start booking now. Kevin, because they'll book up fast and they'll be pricey. You know that. Um... 
Thanks to Marie for getting back to us. She was on last week looking from the for the Douglas, the Douglas Patrick's Day Parade. They were looking for a pipe band. They got the best music in the end. They got the High Hopes Choir leading the parade, and a great day was had by everybody in Douglas. Great to hear that. I was when I'm off. I'm off, and generally at home, it's music on all day. Um, even the, I would catch one news bullet in a day and my news feed comes up on my phone but I, I just don't, I just take a day off and clear the head, whatever and there's music on at home and that was the situation on Thursday Thursday mid-morning and this thing pops up in my feed and it stops everything that Tuberty had quit the Late Late Show I didn't realise that he had been 14 years on the Late Late Show if you asked me to guess I would have said 10 I wouldn't have thought it was 14 years and that became a talk wherever I went for the weekend, it came up in conversation. Tuberty. Who will follow Tuberty? Who'll get the late, late show? Why is Tuberty packing it in? after? As if I know, like. But my honest opinion, I'll give it to you in a minute. Crossy, you might share it with me. But but was it a shock? Did anyone see it coming, Crossy? Morning. Good morning. It was a shock. I think, every, you know... The Late Late Show is riding high at the minute after another successful toy show. Everything that happened during COVID, you know, he was that kind of staple person every Friday night on our screen that, you know, we got to know the chat or get to know information or whatever it was. And I think people were just thinking he was going to be in there till the very end. Not thinking that randomly on a Thursday, just before St. Patrick's weekend, that he was going to say, well, that's that, lads. I'm done. It's a great way to grab the headlines. It's just, yeah, it, it's a couple of my friends working RTE and they could not believe it. They were, they were a shell shock. You know, you, you know, you hear rumors, you know, yeah. no matter where yeah. you are, what you do in media, there's always a rumor someone's leaving or someone's going or there's a rejugglement of God knows what. There was nothing. There was nothing at all. It, it was one of those things that caught everyone by surprise. And from what I've heard as well, even part of the team as well didn't know about it until maybe an hour before, which is kind of cool, you know, that he kept, like, I, like Tubbs is such a private person. Yeah. I heard him say recently, he says, I'm a private person in a public job. And that kind of really does describe him, you know, like no one knows who he's dating, if he's dating, yeah. anything about his family. They just know he has a couple of kids and that's it. Yeah, he, he does not like that side of things. He tends to go off to Connemara for weeks on end and stay in a little cottage over there. He doesn't like... I don't think he even likes being recognised in the shop. And I, I think the problem is, right, and, and I'd say this is probably part of it as well, you know, with the likes of TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all these new age, you know, uh, rebellious people, when they see him out, they kind of, you know, blame him for things or roar abuse at him. I saw that video on TikTok a while ago where he went for a walk and out the... Uh, one of the peers in Dublin and someone started roaring abuse at him and like for no reason and he was kind of going okay stop stop and they kept following him thinking it was hilarious they'll get tons of views haha we told Tuberty to F off and I, I would say the pressure of that constantly in this ever growing world in Ireland at the minute of I don't know what you would call them I, I, I'd say that had a massive factor where he was like do I really need this? Do I really need this guff every day of the week from people? The abuse, the torment. I'd say that possibly could have been a reason, like part of the reason why. Yeah, yeah. He's forty nine. He'll be he'll be fifty the weekend of his last show. Crossy, here's what I would do. And if I were D Forbes, the director general of RTE, I would say thanks, Tubbs, and thank you, 
late, late. Let it go now. It's it's really a, yes, I would. As a show, I personally think it's a bit past its sell, boy, because of the way we watch television now. When was the last time you actually decided you were sitting down to watch the late late? I think, you know what, I think a great thing that happened for it was COVID and the fact that it was able to record things. I, I would possibly record it. Yes. And have it recorded. You know, there's, there's so much access. Least. Yeah, there's so much access to so many stars right around the world these days via Zoom. And they're missing out on it because it's live every Friday. And I think people expect, you know, to get the one forever in the audience, you know, to get yeah. the trip up to RTE, all that sort of malarkey. Like my mother's the exact same. She'd be dying to go up. And I think it because of that reason, it's missing that. But then again, people also mistake it for an entertainment show. It's a factual show. You like see, if it doesn't you watch quite it know, I would say it doesn't know what it is week. anymore. It doesn't know what it is anymore. It was the show yeah. that created the debate. It was a show that either started a conversation or maybe brought an end to a conversation with the definitive interview. It's, it's not as important a television show as it used to be. Do you think? See, oh, I, yeah. I, would, I would possibly sit down with a glass of red if I'm not gigging on Friday nights and stick it on. And if it's someone, you know... With a bit of crack, I'll, I'll stick it on. I'm very much anti-sadness or illness on a Friday. Mm. So if I see a sadness or an illness, I'm straight on to Graham Norton. I just, you know, as yourself, you listen to it every day of the week when you're working. Yeah. On a Friday night, you're kind of, you want a bit of light oh. relief. But I understand that Net- that's Netflix, what it's there yeah. for. That, you know, it, yeah. it, 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 you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, who's next? I mean, they will appoint someone. They've said they will. Um, Mir- Miriam, Claire... Who? Dahi? Does yeah, it have see, to this be? Is Kenny says it has to be a woman. Does it have to be a woman? It has, it has to be someone who's good. And I think someone, as you said, just to kind of reinvent it and change it a wee bit to make it a bit more. There are a lot of names floating. There's a lot of names floating. I'm going to put money on Angela Scanlon. Oh. I'm putting money on Angela Scanlon. I didn't I like her show, by the way, Crossy. But you know what? I think because there was something in that show as in it had a purpose. Does that make sense? Where, you know, this tell me anything where I think she's very personable. I've watched her in a few bits on uh, BBC. I think she would bring in a different audience. Mm. She'd bring in probably... But then again, is that what it's needed? You know, like, it, like it, it does serve its purpose sometimes. You know, it's a very interesting thing. It's an iconic TV show. It's the longest chat show in the world. Mm. Not just in Ireland. Yeah. In the world. But in America, they're starting, the to wind them, they're starting to wind them up now. I mean, James Corden will be the last are, presenter yeah. of that Late Late Show because they've decided just, just isn't a market there. For, so you'd be putting a few Bob and Angela Scanlon. My friend put 50 quid on it the other day. That's I just I, I have a theory in my head. I think it's going to be Angela Scanlon. I think you know, it could be her. Other names doing their, doing their rounds. Sarah McInerney. Sarah is lovely. She's so sound. Mm. I think she'd be very good on it. Claire is brilliant as well. And Claire is very funny. Claire is very chatty and very funny. Mm. I think, you know, because when you see her on RT during, you know, when she used to do her TV show, Claire Byrne Live, she had to be serious all yes. the time. But she actually is very, very funny as well. Yeah. Another person who, who I'd like to see do it will be Dahi O'Shea. His name Very came personable. up over the weekend and I got to know Dahi a bit through being on the Today Show there down down in, in the Cork studios and Dahi's a, f- a fellow who would well be able for it. Miriam O'Callaghan wanted it the last time and was gutted when she didn't get it. Do you think she wants it anymore? I don't think so. 
I don't th- I think she's gone past that I think she's very like she's a good radio show she's a good TV show a prime time I don't think so I think, right, it, okay, this is a very, very strange, you know, to put in equals of it. But if you look at the likes of James Bond, they're going to want someone young to be James Bond because it means they will go on for a few more years. I think the late, late will probably do the same. They'll look for someone younger that will bring them in, you know, the next 15 years. Because if like, people listening to you now who are in their 20s, they wouldn't have remembered Pat Kenny. They'll yeah. just remember Ryan Tuberty. True, true. But then again, Kenny does have a good audience to his radio show still. Someone, a lot of yeah, people are talking yeah. about Tommy Tiernan over the weekend. Tommy's, first no, of all, not I'll happen. tell you something. That show's completely pre-recorded and something. Tommy Tiernan, I went to see Tommy Tiernan last night in Vicar Street and Tommy spent the first 10 minutes of that, of his gig last night saying absolutely 100% you couldn't give me any money in the world to do that show. And I can't say because it's before 10, 10 p.m. at night what he had said of why he would not be doing that show. But like, rest assured from what he said last night, there's more chances of me doing that show than Tommy Tiernan. <laughs> well, you know um, what? You did well at is... the Patrick's Day. You did well at Patrick's Day now, lad. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you very much. But yeah, no, he definitely said he was, he said, Absolutely and utterly not. He said there's more chances of Shane McGowan wanting to be the 6-1 presenter than him doing the Late Late. And that was his words, not mine. And he said other stuff as well. But uh, yeah, no, he he's ruled himself out of that completely. Yeah. Completely. Not a, um, not, it's not interesting. A, not, 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 not much love in the room for Angela Scanlon here, but we'll see. Claire really? Bourne okay. being described as too heavyweight. You see, Claire's, Claire can be very funny when she lets herself go a bit. There you go. And, and that, that's what you'll need, you know. Um, they could go outside. Look, Virgin Media have a lot of people. Yes. Could be someone in Virgin Media. We forget that. Um, and like you kind of, or, or, let's throw a few names out here. Patrick Hilty. Came up a lot over Craig, the weekend. Yeah, what's your man's name? Craig, uh, Craig Doyle. Really? Is this, Craig, is, Craig Doyle fills in on this morning and apparently is very good on this morning when he fills in. Somebody has said, Dermot Bannon, he's on it so often anyway, he knows how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, Jimmy. What happened? Oh, I have, I would, I would rather, I would rather suck my own eyeballs than watch Strictly. Uh, I'm Dancing with the Stars and all that kind of nonsense. But was there some controversy over the, because I was... Watching the end of it, it was on the telly in the corner of the room. Carl Mullen and Emily Barker won last night. Was that a controversial choice? Do you know what? I think people, the people who are watching these TV shows, they need to realise this is an entertainment show. It is about dancing, but it is everything. It is a sparkle of everything in it. And I think the people who are into the dancing more than the drama of it got really annoyed that Carl had won it over the likes of Brooke Scullion, who probably should have won it from day one because she was fantastic. You know, she looked like a dancer even before the show started. Mm. Um, She... I, I think that's what Carl got a bit of flack. Nick Carl's a lovely fella. I, 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 do you know when you meet people in the media where they're, you know, they're what they're like on TV as to what they're like in person. Carl is that he deserved to win, but I, in my eyes, I think he did. But I think people are giving out because he wasn't the best of dancers out of the four of them. Mm. Uh, but the problem, the thing about him is, is that he had improved so much from day one till the very end and I think that's why he won plus he has got what 300,000 followers on Instagram he's got his own radio show if he wasn't going to win do you know what you'd have to kind of give up social media you see it's the overall entertainment 
Value, it's and he's a lovely fella and he's the underdog and you know he made a balls of it sometimes he went back dancing again and then he did well and he that fish face that Brian was calling it look he was just a all round entertainer mm. and I think for once the entertainment run rather than the yeah. you know we're going to go out and have a dance you, you said about Tommy Tiernan last night ruling himself out of the late nature John reminds us here John O'Donovan Roy Keane ruled himself out of being a football pundit now look at him I don't think we should rule Tommy out because <laughs> can I tell you a quick one on Tommy Tiernan last night Go on. we walked in and I completely forgot that you um, you're not allowed your phone you bring your phones into the venue anymore you were put into a little ziplock and it was tightened that you weren't allowed to open it up they had a mechanism that opened it up afterwards so we went and we watched a gig without looking at our phones looking at the time and enjoying the gig that's I never heard the that was, that was that Vicar Street it was Vicar Street, yeah. Tommy has this thing now where, do you know when you buy clothes in the shop and the little security tag is on it yeah. and when you bring it up, it clicks onto a little metal thing and the security tag opens up? Yeah. That is what the mechanism was that they had. I think it's called Vendor, V-E-N-D-R, I think can it was. Can we expect that like, the Martino, you know, I suppose, in the summer we can? Wow. Absolutely. Any Tommy Tierney gig from now on, he said he's going to do it. Now, I do a show up in Dublin with uh, Giz Alath. Her name is Enya Martin. And I said this to her. I was like, look, what do you think of it? And she was like, if I can afford that, I'm going to do it. She says it's terrible. Every time she does a gig, people are filming her set. And she says it's not like a, a Louis Capaldi concert. She was like, I've got, you know, places to hit. And sure, if people are seeing them before they come in to They've see me, sure, why would they come They've see me? They've seen the show, exactly. All right. Angela Scanlon would be Crossy's tip for the Louis late show presenter thank you thank you Crossy and well done again on uh, Patrick's Day John says it should be someone from outside RT maybe that would stop all the RT guests it should also be a 12 month contract and see how it goes that's interesting <sighs> whoever it'll be we'll know in a few weeks time it won't be me by the way I wasn't off on Thursday to go for an interview alright so we can rule that I would, I would not be capable and that's the truth Program edited by Imra Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.